You're listening to TopCast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime. www.marvin3m.com slash TopCast. Celebrity voice impersonated. Tonight on TopCast, we have a gentleman that is a voice actor. That is somebody that does voice recordings for many of the pinball companies in situations where a pinball company would need a new voice, uh, something innovative and different, or maybe somebody to simulate an actor, a famous actor's voice. This guy is the man that does that, and he's done it for about 50 different coin-operated games in his career. Special guests, special guests, special guests, special guests, special guests. I'd like to welcome Fred Young to TopCast tonight. He's a voice actor, like I was saying. He's done about 50 different coin-operated games. All the Alvin G. pinball games had Fred Young as their voice, as the voices. And many of the Data East, Sega, and Stern pinballs also used Fred Young uh, for many of the voices in their games, too. And these aren't just unique voices, different voices. They're also voices of famous actors. Say they went into a um, recording session and they forgot a line from the famous actor that they were dealing with and they couldn't get them back to do that line over. Well, they'll call in Fred Young to take over that chore so that they can get the game out with the voice call that they need. So we're going to give Fred Young a call right now here on TopCast and see how he's doing and uh, talk to him about some of the games he's done. Hello. Fred? Yeah, this is me. Fred, it's Clay. How are you? Hello, Clay. How are you? Glad you... Okay, so tell me, like... And the one thing I read about you is that you had some sort of like tonsillitis That's operation, right. and that had some when you were seven years old or something. That's right. I've been doing voices since I was seven years old. That's absolutely true. And and so what what happened like when you were seven and you had this tonsillitis thing? Did that was that like something that actually changed your vocal cords? Okay, shall we go back? Yeah, 1957. <laughs> this is what happened. Now, I don't know how it happened with other people. Don't get me wrong. But this is what happened to me. Okay? I had the worst tonsillitis that the world has ever known. <laughs> I had poisonous, toxic tonsils. Not only were they, were they toxic, but they were killing me. And I'll never forget this. I went... I mean, it got to be ridiculous. I mean, I'm missing school. I'm, I, you know, it's just horrible. And finally, the doctor sent me to a uh, throat surgeon, and I'll never forget this. And he says, "Okay, open your mouth." And he took one look, and he said, "Oh, brother!" <laughs> now that will scare a kid seven years old. They're gonna say, "Was I doing any voices at that time?" Yeah, I was only doing one. And that one happened to be Donald Duck, believe it or not. Yeah. And he said, oh, brother. And he said, let me just, put, let me just tell you something. Those tonsils have to go. And you're seven years old. You're a kid. Oh, my God. The tonsils have to go. I said, 
Well, he says, let me put it to you this way. I'll never forget this either. Either they go, or you do. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's poisoning your bloodstream. It's poisoning your blood and everything. And then, just to, just to give you a, a, more, a, a bigger perspective on that, you remember Bill Bixby, the actor? Y- yes, yes. And he was married to Brenda Benet, and they had a son. They had a son, and they're all... They're all gone, by the way. God rest her soul. But anyway, years later when I found out that her son had poisonous toxic tonsils and he died. Huh. Yeah, they gave me a real big perspective. So this is what happened. Either they go or you do. Oh, my God. Okay, so now I'm going to go in and have a tonsillectomy. So they did the tonsillectomy. This is before. Now they have lasers and everything. Even now my... My ear, nose, and throat doctor, he said, well, they got rid of them. Well, not with laser, but remember, I had to be able to eat all the ice cream in the world afterwards. Right, right. So they got it out, and they took out my adenoids also. It was a two-for-one sale that day. You know what I mean, Clay? Yeah. And um, they took out my adenoids, and then that was the day that changed my life forever. But I didn't know what was going to happen. One day I'm watching the old Huckleberry Hound show, Hanna-Barbera. And I started talking in Huckleberry Hound's voice. And that started it all. Could I do Donald Duck anymore? No, they took out my adenoids. For some strange reason, after the operation, I couldn't do, I could sneeze in his voice and, and try to, I couldn't enunciate anymore in that voice. But all of a sudden, this happened. And I thought nothing of it. And then like taking a penny and doubling it every day, all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden other things started to happen. Did it change my vocal cords? I don't know, but I'll tell you something. Uh, I don't think I could have, I could do what I do without that happening uh, when I was seven years old. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. I mean, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, and then it got crazier and crazier. Right. Yeah, I mean, at that time, I had mine out probably when I was seven years old. I, you know, I was a little, um, uh, a little younger than you, but um, it, it it didn't affect my voice that that I know of. But boy, it sure did something to me. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't talk for a long time, and I was spewing up. You know, now nowadays it's more mine with lasers and things. Um, and I don't know. Did you have to eat all the ice cream in the world because I was all swollen? Yes, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, and boy, I was a pain. I was bleeding and all this. And then all of a sudden, and then that's exactly what happened. I'll never forget that because before I couldn't do anything. And this is before any type of voice changing, you know, as you're growing older, any any kind of voice changing with your normal vocal cords happened. Right. So this was like a precursor, you know, and I never thought anything of it. I said, well, big deal. At that time, you know. Right. But then I started to, then things, I started to do other things and blah, 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 blah. And well, like, what, what was, like, the first event-changing voice that you did? Well, I started doing, okay, first we did Huckleberry Hound. And then all of a sudden I started doing Yogi Bear. Then I started doing Boo Boo. Then I started doing Rager Smith. Then I started, <laughs> I mean, it started, all of a sudden, I'm doing Quick, am I doing Quick Drama Grom? I was doing all Dawes Butler's voices all of a sudden. And then, after that happened, then all this, and this is, by the way, this is way before you're in the seventh or eighth grade. So by the time I'm, 
you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I'm doing all of Hanna-Barbera's voices. It's basically Don Messick and Dawes Butler, who I'm very big fans of. Now, that was, then it got crazier and crazier. So you're saying, what was the next thing? I started to imitate the teachers. Huh. In, in yeah, that went over real big, let me tell you. Yeah, you mean in your classes? Oh, yeah. And how old were you? Pardon me? How old were you? Oh, God. Well, that was, then we got into high school. Then, then we're in high school already. And, uh, oh, let's see, 14, 15. But one of my cousins remarked as I was showing them these voices, look, at 11, 12 years old, you can do all these things. It's amazing. And I didn't still think anything of it. But then I started to imitate the teachers. And the teacher, you know, it's, you know, it's on the website, but I had that question asked me a They'd ask me a question, and I'd answer them in their voice, and they didn't pick up on it, and I'd get a laugh, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you know. But I didn't want it. When I was in the eighth grade, this, this friend of mine, let's just show you, the jealousy, you know, uh, you're going to lose your identity by doing this. And I've yet to lose my identity. <laughs> yeah, you're going to lose your identity. I said, I said why do I want it? Because I, you know, I could do these things. Why do I lose my identity doing Kermit the Frog or something? <laughs> You know, uh, and he was just jealous that he couldn't do it. I said, let's see you do it, and he couldn't do it. And I thought, and I thought, I reached a point where I said, well, any, anybody can do this, you know. And then years later, when you finally start studying and getting serious about uh, specific things, you find out that's not the case, you know. And when you graduated high school, did you, I assume you went to college, right? Yes. And where did you graduate, and what did you graduate in? Okay, I graduated from... Well, you really want to know all this stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. Your readers are interested, huh? Yeah. So, so everyone's got blackmail on me, huh? Yeah. I graduated from Von Steuben High School in Chicago, and then I was broke, so I went to uh, Wright Junior College, and I graduated there, and then I went to, uh, well, I was, a, I was accepted to all the universities around here, Northern and Southern and... Oh, DePaul, Loyola, you know, Roosevelt University. So I decided, I'll go, and I won a scholarship. And then, by the way, this has nothing to do with show business. This has nothing to do with voices, nothing to do with anything. Because in high school, I would show them that I could do Jerry Lewis, you know, and all this other stuff. But no, I never did a play in high school. Believe you're going to say you're kidding. Honest, I never did a play in high school. They said they didn't want me. I had no talent. Oh, my God. Uh, and th- I kept it kind of kind of low key. I didn't want people to think I was weird. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I could imitate the assistant principal. One time, somebody called up. You know, they have these intercom systems in the school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I imitated the assistant principal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, they pulled me downstairs. You know, they couldn't prove anything. <laughs> you know, because I wouldn't. I, how can anyone do that? You know, I feigned ignorance. But. Went to Wright Junior College. I won a scholarship. I uh, finished up at Roosevelt University. So I got my general business certificate. I got my AA, and I got my BSBA. And at that time, I was so overqualified. If I went for a master's degree, I'd be way overqualified. <laughs> you know. So, so all these degrees were in just general business degrees, right? It was uh, business management and a minor in math. Sure. Okay. Okay. So nothing to do with voices. No, absolutely nothing. Nothing to do with voices whatsoever. I was the furthest, because you see, I want to be a normal, everyday person. 
and it just didn't work out. <laughs> it just didn't. You know how you're saying uh, there's a higher calling for everyone, but you don't know where that calling is and how it's going to happen and everything? Well, I tried to be an ordinary schmo, and it just didn't work out. And, uh, oh, my God. No, let, let's get a couple of facts straight here. First of all, no. I just want you to know, and for all the, all the listeners and everybody, no, uh, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, I'm not gay. I know that would make a lot of interesting situations, <laughs> but no, they'll have to make something up about me in the National Enquirer. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> So I get that. Let me get that out of the way. But no, this had absolutely nothing to do with any of this stuff. Nothing. And uh, I uh, was also working. I was the manager of a watch store, watch repair, and I was handling a lot of accounts and everything. But one time, I started to imitate the uh, <laughs> the owner of the store, and they actually thought it was him. <laughs> and that that went over very big. But yeah. that was pretty. That was pretty funny. Okay. So after that, after a while, I actually, believe it or not, I know you're going to sound, this is going to shine, I actually went to work for an insurance company. Do, doing what? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Doing what? What? Did, well, uh, this was 1978, and I, I, I wanted to be an ordinary person, you know. You know how you, you know, you're trying to, you know, and, and, and I said, okay, okay. No more voice. I'm going to be an ordinary person. So I was, they're no longer in existence. I was, uh, I was interviewing. It took me about a month to get it. It's called a uh, Watts Communicator. It's a wide area telephone service where you get the incoming calls and everything. Right. And it's for the Montgomery Wards Insurance Company. So I got a, I, I got a job with the, uh, with the Montgomery Wards Insurance Company. But before, remember, I said no more voices. But before I could get the job, Outside of taking a physical. You'll love this. Are you ready, Clay? Yeah. They wanted to hear how I sounded over the phone. <laughs> oh, brother. Here, I said, here we go again. All right. So then, I know you're, you're, you're loving this, aren't you? Yeah. You're loving this, this whole thing, aren't you? Well, well, I mean, what did you do? Like 14? Exactly. I'm over there interviewing, and he wanted to hear, and I'm there. Now, you know, I've got my degrees. You know, I'm not a stupid person. You know, I could, I, I, because I'd have to know these policies, you know, the, the accidental death, this number of policy, and all these riders and, and uh, term life and whole life insurance, all this stuff, and people would be calling up asking questions because that's how they got people to go on this. They had a hospital income thing, and, and it worked on the Montgomery Woods credit card. And he wanted to know how I started over the phone. So what I did was, are you ready? <laughs> uh, over there, I'm on a phone, and he's on a phone, and I turned on one of my announcer voices. So but this is the voice I normally talk with, okay? Now, you can imagine. He said, let me hear how you sound. So all of a sudden, he started to hear this voice. Well, this is how I'm actually uh, talking right now, and I want you to know that it's a pleasure to be here working for your company. So that's fine, Fred. That's fine. <laughs> so, so he didn't get it. To know that uh, it's wonderful to be here. Now he, he gets off the phone and he says the next line with, "I had to bite my my lip to keep from laughing." You know what he, ready? What the guy said? Wait. So he wasn't getting it then. Oh yeah. He wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He was. Wait. I'm talking like this, and all of a sudden I'm doing one of my announcing voices. All right. So all of a sudden he says, "You know, Fred." 
you have a different voice when you talk on the phone. <laughs> yeah. So I said, oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that amazing? You have a different voice when you talk on the phone. I said, hey, how about that? So he liked the announcer voice. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, then, then, remember, I'm going to be an ordinary person. Remember that? Yeah, I'm going to be an ordinary person. Sure. All of a sudden, you see, at that time, they really didn't have, like, the way we have the digital stuff today, or they have the voicemail. When they shut off the phones, there would be like a recording. So before, before I went to them, I all, somebody suggested that I try going into radio. So what I did was I took a course, which is the school's only with an existence for um, Omega State Institute, where I would, I would train to pass the FCC license. So I had my FCC license, first class. First class, I had that. So I had that in my, in my, in my, in my arsenal, my personal portfolio and everything. So I passed the classes and everything. So now I'm working at this place. So they found out I had an FCC license. So right away, I said, well, since you've got an FCC license, you can record the outgoing message, message for, the, for the company. <laughs> oh, I said, I look up in the sky and say, I wanted, I wanted to get a, I'm supposed to be an ordinary person. I wanted, to get away, I wanted to get away from this, and I'm back doing the same thing all over again. You see how things shift you back into the focus? Yeah, you can't escape it. No, you can't, you can't escape it. So anyway, so now I said, well, you know, this, doesn't have, this is like a, like a little dictaphone thing. And you'd have to flip the switch to record. So that's what I did. I flipped the switch to record. Now the vice president of, of, this, of this insurance company comes over to me and he says, that's 23 seconds. How, how did you happen to do that so perfectly? I, so I said, 25 years experience. <laughs> and I walked away. <laughs> and what, you were 25 years old? That on the outgoing message. On the outgoing, when, when, when they close down, instead, you know, they, they call up on an 800 number and they use that on the outgoing message. So... Then I was, I was working there from whatever to whatever, and then I'd go upstairs and I'd be coding policies, which is, which is how insurance companies code their policies. So, so they thought they were going to groom me for one of the executive you know, positions, but little did I know what was about to happen. Needless to say, somebody knew somebody at this radio show called Audio Jam. It was a very fine person named Steve Hart. And I called him up, and he was a ventriloquist, and he had this show every Sunday on, uh, on uh, National Public Radio and WBEZ here locally. And he said, I'd like to talk to you, and blah, blah, blah. When they all found out, and I was, I was kind of frustrated this time. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know, you know what the situation is. So he basically, when I met him, and he said, how would you like to be on my show, and at the, at before then, I tried to uh, I tried to interview with this uh, radio station. They wouldn't give me the time of day, and then he met me, and then the stationer says, "Well, he can do that, and he's got he can be he's got a job here, or whatever." Which wasn't really; it was just every single Sunday, and it was a lot of fun. And I did voice characterizations on the show with this other individual, and it was just it was just you know it was just fun. But I still was working at the insurance company. Then I was talking to somebody else because maybe I'm crazy that I had this ability. And they said, yeah, you do. And why are you working for an insurance company? The world is your playground. I said, you don't know. Yeah, the world is my playground, but I still have to pay the rent. i gotta, you know, I got to make money here. You know? Right, right. So, and you got, you know, the survival, you know. So, so from that point, so now I'm on Auto Jam and everything. Okay, fine. 
And I am really, really frustrated. For some reason, I'm frustrated that, well, uh, the girl I was going with at the time, she made a couple of bad statements. <laughs> I got very angry. I suppose you want to know what that is. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, this is a ter- now, this is terrible. You never, ever let somebody tear you apart for no reason because you have talent. But I want you to know, let me preface, let me back up. Back in 1975, um, I called up one of my other friends I'd known in high school, and she's crying, and, and this is all true. And she said, um, and I said, what's the matter? And she's got to do this master's degree thesis, and she doesn't know what she's going to do. So I happened to say, well, uh, I don't know. I just called up and said, hey, you want to go out for dinner or something? Uh, I said, well, uh, how would you like uh, to have the uh, Sesame Street characters teach the kids in the class on a little cassette. And she said, hey, that's a great idea. I said, yeah, where am I going to get the voices? And then I said, well, I have a secret to tell you. I can do those, those voices. Of course, she didn't believe me. It was dead silence on the phone. <laughs> so, I said, you don't believe me, do you? So you turn... Well, you know, I go to parties. I said, yeah. And, uh, and people try to do voices. I said, yeah, and they don't sound any different. I said, would you like a little demonstration? So then I showed her, and I said, wow, this is fantastic. But at the time, in 1975, I was standing up at a wedding, and I didn't have time for this, no- this nonsense. And then from there, when I got the job at the insurance company, and then from there with this radio thing on the weekend. So basically... What happened was it was like a transition, but I, 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 all of a sudden now I'm, rec- I'm doing stuff and she's writing scripts for the kids and the kids are all going crazy and I became part of her master's degree thesis. So I am part of this individual's master's degree thesis. It's true. We call it Psychological Behaviors for External Stimulations to Teach Children. And it worked fine. I, I actually came up with the talking storybook. Too bad I should have. I should have copyrighted or something. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, I should have. But okay, okay. Well, who knew? Who knew? Yeah, well, wait, wait, wait. What what happened to her? Did she, you know... I know her uh, very well. Uh, I talked to her. Uh, I know her over 40 years, since 1968. We met in the typing class. What happened to her? She's still... Uh, I talk to her every day. Unfortunately, she's having some trauma right now. I'm not going to go into, but uh, we talk to her every day. And uh, I've been at uh, I've been at her wedding or weddings, as we say, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, we talk, we talk a lot, and it did come up at one time, and some, some little boys, oh, it can't be true, I said, no, I said, ask her, he said, everything is true, let me tell you, everything is true, and she said, when she was getting her master's uh, in psychology, she, and I read her thesis, and she said, uh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gotten this master's, and I would have wanted to drag you up on the stage as I'm receiving my degree with you, huh. but I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah. And getting back, okay, so now I'm in this radio show, okay, fine, blah, 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 blah. So now I'm talking to a few people, and now I'm on this radio show, and I'm frustrated. Boy, I got a great idea. Somebody said, you got a great idea. What is it? Why don't you have your own radio show? So I wrote, produced, and starred in my own radio show, because I know what you go through. If you're producing and, and, and writing and doing your own radio show, it's a lot of hard work, isn't it? Yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, and, and here you're do, but you were doing a lot more than I'm doing. Well, I, I'll tell you what the name of the show was. 
it was called, and I was trying to find a word because I wanted to do science fiction, science fact, horror, and fantasy because I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. And I said, well, if I enjoy it, other people enjoy it too. And I was right. Oh, brother, was I right. So I came up with, I called it, I, I finally found the answer. It's called Fantasy World, and I did Fantasy World with Fred Young. And we did that. It ran for 13 weeks, and we had a lot of fun, and it taught me a lot of things. But boy, was it rough. I mean, it was, it was tough to write a show every week. It was just one, one day a week. So what these guys go through on the air, writing like The Tonight Show every single night, I know what they go through. My, my God, I mean, so much hard work. But it taught me a lot of things. And then I decided, you know, hey, I'm going to tell my mom and dad, I think maybe I should study acting. And instead of saying forget it or no, even my friends, instead of saying forget it or no, they said, well, it's about time. No. Oh, my God. They said, well, it's about time, because they saw all this stuff coming out of me. You know what I mean? Right. And I said, aren't you saying no, forget about it? No. No. No, not at all. Not at all. Huh. Well, anyway, at the time, I wanted to sort of take a leave of absence from the insurance company. I was seeing this girl, and there's a couple of bad comments. And I'm going to tell you the comment that was made. I swear to you, this is the truth. All of a sudden, out of the blue, this individual, who I was seeing for about a year, uh, said to me, and I quote, <laughs> you're not going to like this, never let anyone tell you apart, uh, I don't like your voices. And this was, this was 1978, and I happened to be with her, and I happened to see a commercial on the end. I said, you know, I can do that just as good as this person. And she made a snide comment, ah, quit fantasizing, you're never going to be anything. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah, it's a sweetheart of a comment. A sweetheart, yeah. And then I'm on the phone with her for whatever reason, and uh, I don't like your voices. I said, why not? Because it's too unique of a talent, unquote, which is a redundant statement. And then she had to mention, because I do play the piano, I don't like your piano playing. I said, why not? Because anybody can play the piano. Finally, I said, what do you do that's so great besides telling me or putting me down? <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, oh, when are we getting married? Oh, yeah, beautiful dreamer. Yeah, 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 right, right. Everything was negative. Everything was, uh, how much money you got in the bank? <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned an amount. Ah, you never had that amount before in your life. All right, and finally it ended. This is terrible. You know, you could, yeah, now you can throw this away. I mean, this is just terrible. All right, tell me when you're going to call me again so I can get you off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we did the Mickey Mouse routine with that. Now it's time to say goodbye, you know. Right, right. So the thing is, it's horrible. And then, and then, I can't understand why I haven't heard from Fred in such a long time. Yeah, gee. <laughs> you'd run. You'd, you'd get your car and run to another country. Oh, wow. Yeah, terrible, terrible. But nobody else ever did that. Well, what, what happened with the acting classes? What'd you say? What happened with the acting classes? I'm going to go into that. I'm getting to that right now. Okay. So anyway. Uh, I saw an ad in uh, Audition News one day, and I'm frustrated. I'm sitting there. I don't know what, you know, I'm frustrated. So I called up, and I had my radio show on the air. This is now 19, it's got to be 1979. And I had my radio show on the air, and I called up a TV actor studio here. And I said, uh, listen, uh, this is Fred Young, and I have a radio show. Yes, we heard your radio show. You're on, uh, on, on, in uh, Evanston, WPRZ. I said, yeah, yeah. 
I, I see here you teach on-camera classes of acting. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been on? Have you ever done this before? I said no. I know his radio. I know his voices and radio. And I did have a terrible demo tape at that time, but whatever. She said, "Well, come on, listen, come on downtown. We want to talk to you." So I came to. I said, "All right, what do I do?" So I read about what happened with Billy Manilow. He was. Well, should he go to Juilliard or should he go to business school? I said, well, I already did the business school. and decided to go to Juilliard. So what the hell? What do I got to lose? So I went downtown, and nobody was there. This person wanted to talk to me alone. And I said, where's everybody? Oh, they'll be here later. I don't want to specifically talk to you. Yeah. Have you ever been on Ken before? No. So you got your radio show in the air, huh? Yeah, and you're frustrated, huh? Yeah. And you can do voices. I said, yeah. Yeah. Well... I understand. You need that experience. But we're not going to let you in if you can't talk. And you ever been on camera before? I said, no, we're well, going to be on camera today. And they put me on camera and auditioned in front of everybody for the school, you know, in this room. And everyone else gets up there, and I get up there, and I start doing this. I have a commercial in front of me. And then they stop tape, and the guy says, the guy that's running the, the camera says, are you sure you've never done this before? I said, no, I've only known about radio. So everyone says, well, it shows. And then he announced, now, just a minute, maybe Fred may have a little more experience here, but he's not any different than anybody else here. Okay. And then they all sat down and listened to my demo tape. And they went, wow, amazing. How do you do that? Wonderful. So I attended TV Actor Studio, and I was the best in the class. And I met uh, Paul Cook, who was a fine actor, who was in many, many movies, including Somewhere in Time and all this other stuff. And I learned, and I learned. And learning was very, very important to me because I needed that information. And then from there, from there, I got my, as we say, my picture composite together. I had my demo. And six months later, through talking with some agents and things, I had, I was on television. I was actually, yeah, it took me six months to get my first on-camera, as we say, gig. Huh. And this other agent in town said, well, forget about the voices. But actually, I met, I met somebody who was very, very important to me. And he said, forget about what they're saying, keep on doing it, because not everyone can do this. And he turned out to be a writer and producer, and he had some ideas, and then we started to record with him. I mean, I started to record with him. Then somebody mentioned that you need other, you need other things at your disposal. Take some classes at the Second City here. Now, you've read about Second City improvisation sure. and everything. Yeah. And it's called the Players' Workshop of Second City. So I went in, and I took the classes, and I learned about that. And all of a sudden, now I'm, on, uh, I'm in the Children's Theater, audition, but you have to audition, and I'm in the Children's Theater of Second City, and this is 1984, and I have a pivotal role in this thing. I'm, the, I'm on the main stage, and I'm playing the Frankenstein monster narrating Beauty and the Beast, hmm. and then I got a nice review in the newspaper. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I got a nice review in the newspaper. And because I was using a different voice for the monster, now, what, now I put one of those Frankenstein headpieces on. So I'm six four, and it made me look like I was eight feet tall. So the, I had three directors, and they said, you know, Fred, you really, and you have your, my, you know, you have your lines. You, you know, your, you know, your. I had to do a musical number. Uh, the monster. I sang the monster blues. 
<laughs> cute, a cute little bit. But because I was so awesome as part of it, I said, my God, you know, you're going to come out and we've got some kids in the air. They're going to be scared stiff. I said, no, the monster, the creature, he was a sympathetic character. So I'm going to play him like that. Instead of pouncing on him, the scary one, I won't. The voice is enough to carry everything. And I would wear glasses on the monster just to tone things down a little bit. So when I came, when we had Mark Twain, and somebody posing uh, uh, as Mark Twain, and we had Wilhelm Grimm, and then there was the Frankenstein monster. And this was all the first time this was ever you know, done. So they're all looking at the stage, and they don't know where I am. And all of a sudden, I said, now, wait a minute. And then they start playing the Adams Family theme. And then he says, I'm saying, isn't that the monster Dr. Frankenstein made? And the kids, you know, they're not, they're not scared. They just they see me as kind of lovable and everything. Right. So it was a lot of fun. We did that for about 13 weeks every single Sunday at Second City. And the person to the master's degree, she came, my mom came, you know, we're on the main stage, and kids want to, I even one casting agent went to this thing, I'll never forget this, and she said, I've never seen a children's show like this, they're standing room only, I mean, I, I think they all want to see you. I said, no, no, it's all a group effort. And in the newspaper, I got a nice review saying, I taught my, I said, there's played by Fred Young, complete with sewn-on wrists. They saw I was sewn on wrist, misshapen forehead, and a voice monstrously because it sounds like an FM DJ. Because I was doing, I was doing uh, the uh, FM DJ voice. All right. So, and I would, and I would, I would narrate it, and and it was wonderful. And in between all this, I was still doing commercials on the air and everything. Now, are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, it's it's interesting how you how we're getting there. Yeah. Now. Now we're coming to something I knew nothing about. Remember, I was still doing industrial films. I was doing commercials and auditioning. And I did a number of uh, Empire Cup commercials in town, which were local things. And then finally we, we had to join the union, but that's, that comes up. But now we're getting to another crucial, crucial situation. All of a sudden, this is what happened. You'll love it. I was recording for Allstate Insurance, and um, as I usually do when I'm in, at another studio, or any of the production studios in town, even today, unless they know me, which they do, I would leave a cassette tape. Now, on this particular cassette tape, this was my second character tape. My first character tape was the old Ed Sullivan show, and I was just showing, oh, different, different characters, whatever. And these tapes are like three minutes, that's all. On this particular one, it was Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. And I was Pee Wee Herman, I was everybody on it. I still have, I mean, I still give out the tapes sometimes. And I'm everybody on it. So I'm recording this stuff from all, for Allstate Insurance. And I left my cassette there. Little did I know what was about to happen that continues to this day. Little did I even know because I just won an audition to be on NBC. This DJ in town, which I will not mention, he was having this show. And on the show, well, I was just sent in and do voices, and no one else could do anything, and I could actually do voices. So I'm going to be on this show, and I thought, well, this will be a nice big break for me. Nearly broke my neck. I, they, 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 I got basically hurt. I got actually hurt on national television. 
but that's another story as to why, because <laughs> they they were very they were it, it was not going anywhere, and, and the show never went anywhere, and it only lasted a couple of weeks, and that was the end of it. People couldn't stand it, and he wasn't good on camera, and even when he tried to do an interviewing show another time, which I will not mention his name, he fell flat in his face. It was no good, and um, but. Here, it nearly killed me. It nearly, it nearly killed me. I was, uh, it was, it was, it was not good. But anyway, getting back to that, what happened at, at the studio. So I left the cassette tape. Little did I know what was about to happen. All of a sudden, I get a phone call. Now, before I got this phone call, one of my friends, and this is also on, I'm sure you read about this, one of my friends, uh, his father died. And I knew him for many, many years. So I'm going to go to the funeral, and I'm going to go to the house and, and console and everything. I get a phone call from this production house. It turns out a company was in there. I said, yeah. And they want you to do Star Trek for a pinball machine. I said, what? Yeah. They heard your cassette. Of course, I didn't hear the rest of the story until later. They want you to do Star Trek voices for a pinball machine. I said, yeah, I did, I did put Star Trek on there. I mean, the classic Star Trek stuff. There was no next generation at that time anyway. And I said, well, I don't know how to record for a pinball machine. I never knew anything about it. I said, I know about, you know, industrial films and commercials and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's slide films and animation and all this other stuff. I said, but a pinball machine? So I said something that, well, luckily, they were, I said, well, can you get me out of it? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I said it. I, I, it's true. Everything I'm telling you is absolutely the truth. I know it sounds crazy and strange, but this is, what's, this is what makes everything fun. Uh, I said, well, can I get out of it? Well, we don't know who the people were that came in here. I said, why don't you know? Well, you left the cassette. I said, well, I always leave the cassette. Yeah. All right. Well, um, call me back tomorrow. So I call up my friend, and you know, you know, his dad passed away. And I said, well, listen, I don't think I'm going to be able to come to the funeral. Well, they want me to record for some game, some pinball machine. What are you talking about? What are you nuts? You know, are you crazy? I said, no, I want to do Star Trek. Star Trek. I said, wait, I'll let you know. Let me call you back later. All right. They call me up again, and we don't know who the people are. We can't get you out of it. Will you do it? I said, they want me to record Star Trek. So I said, never forget this. I said, sounds like fun. <laughs> I said, sounds like fun. Okay. I said, all right. All right. I go, I, I call my, my friend. I said, I'm not going to be able to come to Fury Bob either that night. And I'll be there every single night for you. I'm there for you. I'm there for you. Uh, but I, they want me to record this, this thing, Star Trek. I don't know. He said, well, you can't turn it down. I said, oh, yes, I could. But I don't know who they are. They don't know why. They only heard me. Okay. I get over to the studio, here it comes, and I meet the great Joe Camacow. I meet Brian Schmidt, and I'm sure you're familiar with Joe Camacow. I'm sure yep. you interviewed him. Yep. And I met Brian Schmidt. I'm sure you know him, too. Yep. No, you don't? Yes, I do. Okay, I Brian Schmidt. And this is the story that I heard afterwards, because Brian had to tell me the story. First of all, I get in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the story that was told to me, like, Six, seven months later, very, very briefly, they had this contract or whatever to do Star Trek. The, the one with the transporter. Right. That thing. Yeah. Okay? You got that? 
Yeah, yeah. And um, and they needed, <laughs> you know, the, the characters. They needed the people. So they happened to be over at the studio, and so they pulled all the audition tapes, all the demo tapes from everyone in town here. So for two, must be two, two and a half hours, they're listening to tapes to try and find someone <laughs> to do this. Nothing. I mean, those characters like you're the husband, you're the employee, you're the customer, you know, you know, but no voice voices, you know what I mean? Right, right. Okay, I mean, he's doing an old man, he's doing a magician, he's doing this, you know, whatever, but nothing you can actually say no. So two and a half hours, and Joe is bummed, and Brian is bummed. So the engineer was also bummed, and he said, well, you know, there was a guy in here, he was doing some recording for Allstate, and he left this, and he was doing a lot of voices in here. Would you like to listen to this? And we've been listening to stuff for two and a half hours. I said, no. So they looked at the Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. What is this all about? So they popped it, and the minute they heard the first couple of minutes of Pee Wee, they were enthralled. <laughs> and I was doing, yeah, I was doing Paul, you know, oh, yeah, listen, really, right? And by the way, I'm, I can do the voices. I'm not, I'm not, Pee, I'm not Pee Wee Herman. I'm just showing them, just do a demo tape, and it's a demonstration of, your, of what you can do. You know what I mean? Right. And I was doing TV earlier, oh yeah, it must be wonderful, Quacky. As a matter of fact, I know what you're talking about. Ah! So we would do, so on that, so then all of a sudden on a specific part of it, I thought, I thought it'd be kind of interesting, I'll throw Star Trek on it with the trans, you know, with the, with the, with the warp engines going and all that. So I put, so we put that, we recorded that on there. All of a sudden when, when my Star Trek stuff came out, they said, that's it, that's the guy. That's him. <laughs> so, <laughs> Call him, that's him. <laughs> When you did the Star Trek, what did you do? Like, did you do the Kirk and the Spock and all? And all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they heard, and that was, the, of course, the immediate attraction. That's when they made the decision. That's him. That's after two and a half hours of listening. <laughs> after two and a half hours of being done. But, you know, you can hear all these tapes all over town. Nothing. You know what I mean? So now, what year was this? This is about 1990? 1989. 89. That's right. Okay. And that's it. That's the guy. So I, now I come in, I'm meeting everybody, and they're showing me that it's, it's a whole other different, I might say, it, to do this stuff, it's a whole different recording. It's not like you do a commercial. A commercial is a commercial. This, it's a whole other different ballgame, to tell you the truth. It is. And I learned that very quickly. But anyway, I walk in there, they don't know who I am. They don't, they, I mean, I knew one of the girls they had recording over there, and uh, she wanted to wait to hear me do stuff, but she had to go. And I subsequently saw her in other, uh, other venues. And, and by the way, when, interestingly enough, when I started to do this, like freelancing and everything, I was so, it was, it was like, I now, you know, people are responding to me, they're, they're very happy to be with me, you know, it's nice to see it, not, finally it's nice to see it work instead of, at auditions, and, and it's nice to see where, you know, that you're acting and performing, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I felt, you know, I felt, hey, you know, camaraderie here. Hey, nice. So all of a sudden I get there, and I'm not saying anything. I'm saying, oh, are you sure you can, you know, we heard your demo. We were very impressed. Are you sure you can, oh, yeah, I can do this, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they didn't hear me. Are you sure you'll be all right? You know, you're not going to be like that frog and one foggy day, you know, hello and the baby, hello and the darling, and then nothing, and then the frog goes burp and nothing. No, no, no. We'll, we'll do this. We'll do this. And that day, well, all of a sudden I started doing the Star Trek, 
And they're applauding in the booth. And they're applauding. And they're, my guy, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then they're going crazy. Joe's going crazy. Brian's going crazy. And that day, we don't do this anymore. You know how many games I recorded that day? Like four or five? Four or five. These four or five. I remembered most vividly. Yeah, the, you did like what? Like you did like King Kong and Kong, right? That's right. right. We did King Kong checkpoint, right? Batman, Star Trek, and another one. It was like a marathon, like eight, nine hours. <laughs> but they went crazy, and then they wanted to show me uh, the King Kong poster and all the artwork, which was beautiful stuff. You know, I've never seen any of this stuff before. I don't know. Oh, I played on games, you know, in the old high school hangout. You play these baseball games. You know, you remember those baseball sure. games. and things. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about this. And, uh, and uh, this is interesting. And he says, do the whole movie vocally of King Kong. And I just happened to see it the other night, so I had everything memorized, so I knew all the lines and everything. So I did all the characters, and whatever went in, went in. Because that's a long time ago. That's where only specific things would go in there. Now, they can throw anything in there, you know what I mean? The, 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 um, the, the uh, database is so large, the memory is so large, you can throw almost anything in there, you know? Well, you know, back in the day when you, were, when you did this, the, the four or five games, I mean, did you have any prep time for any of this? No. 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 Prep time? I was hit with King Kong, Checkpoint, King Kong, and they say, I said, well, I can do all this. I didn't have any preparation. No, 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 I knew all this stuff already. Hmm. So right away they say, my God, you know, do King Kong, you know all the lines, you know the whole thing, the whole movie, you can do it vocally. So that's what happened. I had any prep time? new. No. The prep time I had was when I got there, because I didn't have a script in my hand. It was better and more spontaneous, because you can over-practice anyway, but I found that out later. But no, there's no preparation time. I just went in and I just did it. Now, were you still working for the insurance company? No. When did, when did the insurance stop? That ended in 78, 79. I took a leave of absence, and then all of a sudden, everything else started to happen. All of a sudden, got on the radio show, I had my own... Had my own uh, radio show on the air, 7980, and then I decided to make the decision. You have to make the decision because, you see, you can't get away from it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get away from that. All of a sudden, I'm recording tapes for the, I mean, the dictaphone tapes for the insurance company, and I don't know how to work this. Well, don't worry. Fred will figure it out, which I did. And then, and then I'm doing a number of different things. Then the TV after studio training there, and then... Uh, and then uh, uh, Players Workshop of Second City, you know. And then in 89, all of a sudden, out of the blue, this happened. Well, uh, That tape there, that's a true story. Well, of all these, of these voice gigs that you do, what, you know, I mean, what, is Pinball Machine in the big picture, is doing Pinball Machines, is that a very good... From my mind. Well, yeah, but I mean, was it a... About games. But what, was it a very good paying gig what'd you say was it a very good paying gig uh i guess uh, at the time yeah i thought it was very very good yeah yeah but remember that was back in 89 now it's a whole other ball game you know with with situations and things but yes it was a good paying gig yeah 
Huh. And besides, I've never done anything like this. And when I asked, where's this thing going? Where are these things going? All over the world. I said, what? All over the world. I said, you mean to tell me that this is going? Yeah. Well, now the other stuff came in because you see, unfortunately, but as we say, the powers that be. It turned out that uh, uh, Mr. Shatner wanted a certain amount of money for me to do his stuff on the game, and they had to take all my stuff off the game. So I'm not really, I'm only on one part of that particular Star Trek game, believe it or not, because you have to be professional. They say, you know what I mean. Right. But they say, uh, they, we would request that, you know, even though we recorded, all the recording was done, everything, but we have to take your stuff off. So they did go to DeForest Kelly, and they went to Jimmy Doohan, God rest both their souls, and DeForest Kelly recorded for that game for, uh, for scale. And Jimmy Doohan, because his wife loves pinball, said, well, what do you want? And he just wanted a game. Wow. And they gave him a game. Right. But then people thought it was actually me on there, and no, it wasn't. And I said, I'm only on one part of that game. Have you ever played in that game? Yes, yes. Okay, remember at the end, you hear the person say, live long and prosper? Yes. Yeah, that's me. Huh. Uh-huh. But it couldn't sound like Spock. I couldn't do it like, live long and prosper. No. I said at the end, live long and prosper. Now, interestingly enough, when that happened, interestingly enough, and I said, okay, okay. I met Gene Roddenberry in 1981 at North Park College. They had a sci-fi, it was a sci-fi um, convention going on that weekend at North Park College. And they invited Dave Prowse, who plays Darth Vader, inside Darth Vader, not, not you know. And they invited Gene Roddenberry. And I met, had a chance to meet him. And he was just terrific. And I met him in 81. Now, now time passes. It's 1989. Now, in 1990, they decided to take this over to Paramount Studios, where they're filming The Next Generation. And it turns out, unfortunately, I was very sad to hear that Gene Roddenberry uh, passed away. He died. So they dedicated it, took it over there, and people are crying. And you got the you know, Patrick Stewart coming out to see this thing, and everyone from there, they're filming Next Generation. And, uh, you know, and they dedicated the pl- a plaque to this, um, this game to the memory and genius of Mr. Gene Roddenberry. And I said, very right and proper. Very right and proper. Yeah. So that was that. Hmm. And then uh, Joe calls me up and says, there's a thing called the Pinball Expo. And I said, what is that? He said, well, there's a person named Rob Burke, and uh, I think it would be a kick if you'd go to, the, go to the expo and maybe do a little talk. I think they'd, they'd really have a lot of fun. I said, uh, you need me? He says, yeah. I said, all right, you got me. So then I called Rob Burke up. And, you know, everyone around me, I just want you to know, Clay, everyone around me tries to do voices. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brother. So all of a sudden, I says, Burke, how do you do? I'm Fred. And he starts doing Yoda. <laughs> the worst, I mean, he's a wonderful person, but I tell him, you practice, everyone does this, you know, come on, I mean, everyone try. I said, okay, I said, that's right, and then he, I met him at that time, was a Ramado here in Illinois here, and we had breakfast, and we talked, and they even spoke.
spelled my name wrong on the list of people that were going to be speaking. Now, this is 1990, and they're videotaping me, all right? Hi, wait, wait, wait. How, how can you misspell Fred Young? Did. All right, so they did. How can you misspell I don't know, but they did. All right, so what? <laughs> so I took a couple of the, the Pee Wee Herman tapes. I had about maybe 20 of the tapes there. All right, you know, all right, maybe people would have some fun with it. And the other side of that is my narration tape. We call it narration. It's uh, narrating your teaching. Uh, so I get over here, and I'm in this big auditorium, you know, and Rob announces me. He does uh, Yogi Bear and Yoda that puts mine to shame. Here he is, Fred Young. And like you see on those, you know, you see on those, on those other things where you hear the crickets chirping, and all you hear is like this. Okay, you know, I see. And here he is, Fred Young. And, and I get up on this podium, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, you know, one of these things, right? Right, yeah. And the crickets are chirping, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, is that because... Maybe 50, 30 to 50 people there. It's a big place, it's a big thing, right? Okay, right, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. And somebody reminded me about this last year because they were there, and I forgot about this. So this is what happened. Are you ready? Uh, you ready? Yep. I started... Thank you, everybody. And, by the way, I subsequently got called in to do other games, okay? Which I didn't want to talk about because, you know... Yeah, you can't talk about new Well, stuff. I can't because, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to because, you see, what, in 1989, when I got the tour of the place, the game that was coming out was called Phantom of the Opera. But they used some kind of DJ, and he wasn't an actor. He wasn't acting. He, he couldn't really act, 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 okay? But that was the one that was, as we say, on the line. They were making and everything, and my other stuff was coming up later. So I started, you know, I, I showed them the announcing voice, and then I started showing other things. So this is what happened. Are you ready? Yep. And somebody had to remind me about this. The crickets are chirping, and all I was getting is, uh-huh, you know, <laughs> okay. And they're, they're videotaping me, all right. All of a sudden, because I started doing other things, and I said, we'll have some questions. All of a sudden... From 30 to 50 people, the place starts loading up. Somebody said something out there. They said, hey, there's this guy, and he's doing some stuff, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, this is before the Simpsons and Family Guy and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden, there's more people coming in. Now, you've got the waiters and the wait staff from out there. They're coming in. Now, the whole place, I started doing other, just to show... I started getting applause. The whole place goes bananas. The whole place. Were, were you doing like vo you uh, like? Vo I was showing them uh, uh, Hanna Barbera. I was showing them uh, uh, Warner Brothers, you know, Bugs Bunny, and a few. And I was showing them other things, you know, whatever. And the whole place is going nuts. Now they're asking me questions. And very nice questions, and I'm responding. And remember, I'm only there for an hour. I thought, you know, okay, the whole place is going crazy. The 20 cassettes I brought, well, you couldn't find them. They took them, boom. Right. Where they are, I don't know. Yeah, they're gone. But they're gone. They're, they're, they are gone. They went crazy. They just went, it just went nuts. And I was doing Yogi Bear, and I was, you know, whatever. And I was doing all this other stuff, and I was... I was showing them a Martian voice, which almost sounds like Elmo, and I was showing them all this other stuff, and they're going nuts. 
my God, it's almost like a riot now. I mean, from 30, you know, 20 to 30, all of a sudden this place fills up. This is, this is a, one of the big rooms over at the Ramada at that time. My God. Okay. So, everything I was at the banquet, blah, blah, blah. So crazy was that. And at the banquet, that was Saturday night. You've been there. You've been at the expo. Yep, yep. Well, I get home, tired. Even Joe's asking me, you know, it's about quarter to four in the morning, and Joe wants me to do voices. You know, you get tired. You know, it's tired. I get home, four o'clock in the morning, the phone rings. Are you ready? <laughs> you love this, don't you? Yeah. Watching me sweat. Four o'clock in the morning, the phone rings. It's Rob Burke, and what is he doing? He's doing Yoda. <laughs> Bad Yoda, you mean? Yeah, bad. Yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not. It's not up to my standards, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so you, so you weren't used to. A little testy. He wanted to invite me out for breakfast. I'm tired. At four o'clock, I thought, God forbid, who died? You know? Right. But he was so thrilled with me. Okay. But are, and are, then every single year. Are Are you saying me. that 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 you're not used to? Any of this sort of response to your work? I wasn't used to any of this, as we say, adulation. Mainly because what I do, I say, okay, fine, because it's just one aspect. I know it's going to get crazier and crazier with me, but it's only one aspect of it, you see. I only see it as one aspect. I didn't know, I mean, in 1990, there was more than one pinball company out. At the time, I was just doing stuff for Data East. And after that finished, after that finished, uh, one of my agents called me up. You see, things start to snowball. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, one of my agents called me up on a Saturday, and there was another company, which was Williams, <laughs> looking for a voice. She called me up, and... I said, yes, yes. And it was for the T2 machine over at Williams. And she said, can you call up over there and do Arnold? I said, what kind of a thing is the pinball? Is it, is it, oh, here we go again. I said, here we go again. What the hell is So I called up. I basically won the audition. And Arnold wasn't going to do it. But Mr. Shen, I got paid and everything. But Arnold... Uh, he heard me, and he did it. And then somebody told me uh, a little while later, you couldn't tell the difference between my tape and his tape for the thing. But he did it, and I didn't. So I'm not on the game. Hmm. But am I used to the adulation? No, not really. Not really. I, I see, see, it's a business. You can get crazy. You know, when I see these other people, they get everything handed them on a silver platter, they don't appreciate anything. You know what I mean. And I'm sure you've experienced some of that stuff where you talk with people, and they have an attitude, and they're jaded, and blah, 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 and oh, look at me, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's awful nice, but you're still a human being. So when I see these people, like a Lindsay Lohan or, or Britney Spears or something, going crazy, they've got millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they're taking their talent and their abilities and throwing that in the, in the garbage can, it doesn't go well because here you're given something and you've given, you're getting a lot of um, opportunities that a lot of people would die for. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So I'm not really used to that, even though I don't mind it. I think it's kind of crazy. You know, I know it's news and everything. I said a joke one time. I said, you'll know I've made it in the industry. How? Then you'll read that I'm sleeping with somebody in the National Enquirer. 
Right. Which is true. Which, which unfortunately, it's true. It's a bad uh, response to the to the way the way things are. But people get a little, you know, they get a little notoriety, even in town here. And I'm sure you've experienced some of that too. They get a little notoriety, goes right to their heads, and right away they think that they're better than sliced bread for everybody. But the problem is, unfortunately, you're still a human being, and you've got to respond like like a human being instead of being a you know, whatever. Because you think you're more than yourself, then, then, you, then you lose it. Then you lose your own self-respect and everything. So I, I'm not really used to that kind of adulation I was getting. It was nice. I won't be wrong. Yeah. And I still, I don't mind. Sure. I'll take pictures. I'll sign autographs. That's nice. That's wonderful. That's great. Probably it's getting me used to other things <laughs> that will happen, but you still don't forget that you're still a person and those people like you. And because they like you, uh, What's wrong with signing an autograph? You know what I mean. So right, it's it's nice, but people get crazy around me. Yeah, and they always say, "Oh, I do." Listen to me. I do. I do Yoda. So let's hear you do Yoda. And so I said, "That's not bad," because I remember when I was going, was studying at Second City. One of uh, the other, I mean, the players' workshop at Second City. One of my other colleagues, he was in California, and he looked up Dawes Butler, who did the voice of Yogi Bear, and he did Huckleberry Hound, a quick drum and all these other voices. You've, that you've seen on the air, uh, and he called him up on the phone. He was, he was in the phone book. He called him up and he said, "It's uh, Charles Dawson Butler." And he says, "Mr. Mr. Butler, I'm a big fan of yours. I know it's an imposition. Uh, I would love to hopefully meet you someday, and uh, I hope you don't think there's an imposition that I'm calling you up." And he says, "Oh no, no, that's wonderful. I, I thank you very much." And he said, "I'd love to meet you." He says, "What are you doing now?" Well, this is Dawes Butler, the number one, you know, guy with. With uh, you know, with uh, Stan Freeberg and and uh, and Hannah Barbera, he said, "What are you doing now?" He says, "Nothing." He says, "Come on over." So he invited him. He invited him over to his house. I said, "That's a human being." So he says, "I do yogi." He says, "Let me hear you do yogi there." So he says, "No, you got to learn your diet." He's teaching him how to do yogi. He's teaching him how to do that. Right. And he gave him a cassette of some of his stuff. I never forgot that. See, you're always a human being. You have to be a gentleman. Somebody said, "It's an honor to talk to you." I said, "What's well, an honor?" You, like talking to you tonight. It's an honor. That I'm talking to you. So this is a privilege. I can't thank you enough. No, it's a privilege for me. Trust me. I mean, uh, as Yoda would say, <laughs> that's a proper Yoda. <laughs> so what? Now, what games did you end up doing for Williams, or did you? Or that was the only one. That was the only one. Okay. It was the only one I auditioned for. It was on a Saturday, and that was that. And then it got back to uh, Joe. He said, I heard you were recording for... Um, I said, no, I didn't. It was an audition. I did do it, but it never went anywhere. See, sometimes you do stuff and it doesn't go anywhere. So that was the only time. And you did all the Alvin G games, too, right? I did. Yeah. And was Joe mad about that? No. No? He wasn't mad. Joe wasn't mad. He, it's just, you see, I walk in there... You walk in the Williams through security. I've never been over there. I mean, the old thing was on California Avenue here. And immediately when I walked in there, because the guy on the phone was saying, uh, you know, do you know about our games? So I said, yes, I happen to know about your game. He says, what game do you know about? So I happen to say, um, a fun house. How do you know about fun house? Well, I saw it at the expo. It was just there. Yeah. You know, I saw it at the expo. So basically I walk in and what's, what's there? A big pinball game of Back to the Future. Yeah, the and, data, you uh, mean the Data East? Oh, everyone listens to everyone else's games. Right. Yeah, and they did. And they have full respect. It was just that he says, Joe happened to say, I heard you were over there. 
That's all. He wasn't mad. I heard you were over there, but he wasn't mad. But all the Alvin G games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me. I got a list of the Data East games. Tell me, tell me what ones that you did did. Ones I've been involved with. Right? right. Yeah. Here we go. I'll just I'll, I'll rattle off. Well, we, we talked about these: King Kong, Phantom of the Opera, Back to the, F- the Opera. You, so you did nothing on Phantom on that, but that's in the pinball compendium. Somebody made a mistake about that, but I'm not in Phantom of the Opera. No. Okay. What about the Simpsons? No. What happened was that the powers that be they had everybody over there to record whenever they could get them to record. They they all recorded that, and uh, I said okay. Okay. I mean, I I I say okay. You know, I don't I don't get involved. <laughs> no, uh, that's fine. But no, I'm not on The Simpsons. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, checkpoint. We talked about that. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Boy, that's yeah. awful. Yes. What What did you do on Turtles? Um. Did you do all the turtles? Yeah. So you did everything then. Yeah. Okay. Well, um. Well, I had to go to see the movie about ten times. <laughs> that, that's too bad. Yeah, that's too bad. I had it, and the thing is, Eastman and Lard, you see, uh, they, you see, I always say, do people, you see, the powers that me, be, give me, and not to get, see, I don't know exactly how they get certain rights and permissions, because I don't get involved in that. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But they say, yeah, you, we give you the, uh, we you can record. We give you the permission. The permission is granted. I'll put it to you that way. And I don't get involved with that area. Plus, plus I don't know about what goes on, to tell you the truth, how that is obtained. But um, that's what happened, yeah. What am I? Yeah, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was 1990, yeah. yeah. Now, now, Batman, I mean, how did you know what voice to do for Batman? I happened to have seen the movie. <laughs> Okay, now the, you're talking about the original movie or the movie with Ke- with Keaton? I'm with Adam West, we're talking 1989, the one with Michael Keaton. And, right, with Keaton. Uh, right, Mr. Nicholson, sure. Okay, so now did you do any Nicholson voice? Yeah. So you did put it. Pardon me. I don't know where they put it, mm. where they put it in the game, but I did do some recording for that. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of recording, but I did some recording for it. Sure. So they would try and get put it that way. They, they would try and get the principal actor to do it. Sure, absolutely. But remember, this is a long time ago. Now it's a little more involved. But you see, you don't want to appeal anybody. <laughs> but sometimes other other situations have to step in because other people are busy. That's why when they can get that, they you know the original people they can do that. So that's what happened there. But it's okay. That's okay. Okay, I'm I, I'm there, but I don't know where I am because I never heard the game after I did it. So that's neither here nor there. But that's okay. That's okay. okay. Keep on reading the list. Well, we did talked about we talked about Star Trek, and then there was how about Hook? Yes. What 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 did you do in Hook? Well, I, I was uh, all the people. <laughs> When I say all the people, we'll leave it go at that, because I don't want to bore you with the... Once again, as I said, Joe was he was very emphatic when he called me in for anything. Uh, everything was up and up. So nobody, 
you know, nobody's going to get mad at me. I don't want somebody to be mad at me. You understand? Or coming after me. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to be very let me Let me preface by saying, you have to be careful about this. And I said, the powers that be, I don't know, I don't get involved with that, but they don't get involved with me, the intricacies of doing voices and voice refraction and everything. The thing is, a long time ago, and I won't say this is for another company, I, I don't want to go into it too much, I did something for another company for whatever it was, and all of a sudden I received a phone call from this individual's lawyer from L.A., and I was involved in a roundabout way, a lawsuit. And that's why you have to be very careful, because remember, what I'm doing is a power. So I don't get involved with that, but all the, all the, everything has to be dotted and everything has to be on the up and up. Otherwise, I say, no. Because <laughs> I, I remember that very vividly, and we don't want to go through that anymore. Well, like, for instance, with Hook, um, you know, the, um, the, the principal actor... Uh, in in hook, you 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 couldn't you had to come up with a different hook then. Uh, I had to come up with a different hook. Yeah, a different hook voice, so or so to speak. Well, we record well. Over this way, we practiced the principles, and we we did what we recorded for whatever, and and the thing is. I was involved with the project. <laughs> well, I mean, like, what about Robin Williams, who was, like, the star of the movie? Could I'm sure he's in there. I'm sure he's on there, yeah. But, I mean, you couldn't, you didn't do any lines for him. Well, if, uh, let me put it this way. If I was given permission, if I was given permission, okay, but let's just say I was involved with the project. <laughs> Next question. Well, like, how often do you get permission and you have to patch up somebody, you know... Well, it's not not a ma- not a matter of patch up. It, no, no. It, they give me whatever lines they ask me to do, and that's that. I don't wherever they do with anything. That's that's up to them. Wherever they put it, it's up to them. Don't forget, other people have to listen to that too to make certain that they're happy. So there's a lot to this. See, if they're not happy, you know, with you know, they can take stuff out too. You know. Right. Yeah. So everyone has to be happy. In other words, it has to pass mustard, and people do count on me. As I count on them to make certain that nothing gets screwed up. Remember that about that lawsuit. And a long time ago, there was another lawsuit with a very famous singer on the air, and they got, as we say, a sound alike, and they didn't go to her and get her permission. She didn't want to do it, and she sued and she won. So I'm saying you've got to be very, very careful with this, you know, legality wise. You know what I mean? But, um, next question. Okay, uh, Lethal Weapon 3. Did we, what, how were you involved with that one? Uh, everything. <laughs> oh, you mean they didn't, couldn't get the principles for that? Well, they got me permission to do whatever. No. If they, if they, if it's on there, if it's, if they're on there, fine. It depends, as I said, as I said, since, since, when they can get the principles, they do. If not, and they get permission, and no one's PO'd, then I'm brought in. Well, like on that particular one, I mean, how much, uh, you know, how much did you have end up actually getting into the game? But when I'm recording, I'm recording. Now, whatever goes in there, that's somebody else's decision. So I don't know what, what's put in there. Gotcha. As long as I have permission, in other words, if you're giving me permission to do the stars, 
as we say, a lethal weapon. Okay, but you got to get, you got to. I have to have that permission. That's all. So is it like? It's it's. I don't get into that legality situation. I don't know what right. goes into that. What they have to talk to, who they have to talk to, what the situation is. I just go in and say, okay, you got you got the rights to do this. So I get, as I say, we get involved in the situation, and they specifically say, okay, you can do this, or they specifically say, no, you can do this, but you can't do that, because whatever the powers that be said. Something else. <laughs> so, I mean, is it typical that they'll have you record all the lines for all the principles for an entire machine, and then they'll just basically edit? You know, they'll trim that down to just the stuff that they that they couldn't get from the real principle or whatever. Well, the thing is, the thing is, the fun part is not knowing where I am because I usually disappear in characters and the characters and things. The thing is, it's all, it, like anything else, it's just like doing a cartoon show, basically. And whatever, whatever script they give me, you know, okay, we'll do this, 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 and this. Whatever goes in there, that's somebody else's decision. And that goes also with any, any legalities with, uh, I don't know, with anything that goes on in L.A., as I said, I don't get involved in that area. But, but the thing is, they can count on me. That's the whole thing. Okay. And... We don't step on anybody's toes. Like, for example, with that Lethal Weapon game, well, it was at the premiere, and it was on television, and they said they liked that one of the, one of the actors in there was screaming at them. It's amazing. And uh, I called up, and I said, I think that's me. And Joe said, well, you can't, you can't really say anything because it'll piss off a couple of other people. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to peel anybody. So I said, okay. I'm not saying a word. I'd rather go with that. Because you have to be professional, too. You know what I mean. Right. There's a certain amount of artistic integrity, but you have to be professional. Hmm. It'll be in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other stuff will be in the book. <laughs> now, on Star Wars, what, what voices did you end up doing there? Okay. With, uh, once again, once again, I've been given permission. <laughs> I'm everybody on that. Believe it or not, you're not going to believe me. I'm everybody except R2-D2 and Princess Leia. You mean that the, uh, they actually got a, brought a robot in? Put it, as I said, I recorded it. Whatever they decided to put in there, that's up to them. I don't right. know. I recorded, and I told you what I recorded, and we've we got to keep it low-key. I don't want to get people to get crazy with this, because you didn't even ask me how many voices do I have yet. You you have over a thousand, right, or something? You said it said seven hundred eighty-seven. It's about seven hundred and eighty-eight, eighty-nine, ninety. I lost count already with that. It's a, I'm supposed to have nine hundred ninety-eight voices. Everyone said a thousand voices. No, no, no. Nine hundred ninety-eight sounds funnier, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of does. And that's why I say I have nine hundred ninety-eight because sometimes I I come up I have to come up with original stuff, not just for the games or anything. I'm talking like for commercials and things. Uh, I have to come up with a different different characters or whatever, you know. I've got 900, it's supposed to be 998 voices, and it goes into all different areas, all different categories, you see. That's what a voice artist or a voice master, I've been called a voice master or whatever, uh, that's what you, you go through. So the thing is, I said, okay, I'm not going to say anything. So when I record, it's another person's decision, it's not my, I don't know, I don't know what, I'm just there to do what I have to do.
and then somebody else makes the decision what goes in that that game. And hopefully it sounds good. And for years it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Now, what what was the hardest voice that you ever had to? Uh... My God, you would have to throw that at me, would you? Well, it, like you haven't been asked that before. The hardest voice, my God. Oh man. Yeah, let's see. I had to do, or I ever, or I ever had to do for quote a game unquote. Both. Both. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see now. Well, there's a couple of things. The real hot, let's see, something that took like 30, 35, 36 years, that's pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, that's Elmo in Sesame Street. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barry Manilow's voice, when I was, uh, that took six months. What, now, what did you need Barry Manilow's voice for? Just to do it. I got a challenge from some whatever. I, uh, I somebody was doing karaoke, so they wanted me to do. I write the songs. So in six months, I had his voice down, talking and doing and, and singing, uh, just to do it, just just for the hell of it, just to see how you know how technical you know the hardest voice. God, boy, that's a uh, Elmo was pretty tough. Trying to think in what area, God. Uh, there's so many. My, my God. Um, it, it can can you sing in in voice too? It depends on it depends on the on the person, the character. Uh, it, and the song has to be it has to be the right song also. So it really depends. I'm not going to sing in Yoda's voice. No, no one can sing in Yoda's voice. Yoda doesn't sing. <laughs> so get that out of your mind. I don't know why I'm going back to Yoda. Uh, sometimes it depends. It now, depends. It's got to be the right voice. It's got to be the right voice. It's also got to be the right song. Uh, it depends because a lot of the stuff, you know, they're not loud voices. It depends. Let's see, another tough voice. Well, you know that I got a phone call one time from Joan. He says, "By the way, do you do, do you do Jeff Goldblum's voice?" And I said, "No, I really don't." He says, "Well, you better learn how." <laughs> now, what do you, now, how do you respond to that? You know, somebody's calling up, uh, do you do so-and-so? Uh, well, no, I really don't. We better learn how. What do you, what do, you do with that? You learn. You learn, right, right. And, they count, and he counts on me. He trusts me enough to be able to come up with it, and I did. That was for, of course, Jurassic Park. Now, what what is, like, the strangest thing that you had to do a voice for, the strangest situation or movie or commercial? commercial on camera for rat poison that was interesting <laughs> yeah that was for rat poison boys yeah it was called that was a, a, a um, product called Powell it was rat poison I don't know uh, the strangest okay I got a phone call from one of my agents you asked for it it was for orgy sounds yeah I was going to ask if you ever worked in the porn industry oh, no no yeah sure you are no I don't want anyone to see my shortcomings yeah. no I got a call from one of my agents, and they actually wanted me to record for orgy sounds, for porn. Now, your artistic, artistic integrity comes into play here. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, give me a break here. He says, well, you know, you, know, you think you're going to pick up a couple of, bu- a couple of bucks. I said, but it's orgy sounds. Why would I want to do 
orgy sounds. So, needless to say, I said thanks, but um, no thanks. And there's another thing I'm going to bring up. You know, there are unscrupulous people in the world. And I got a call one time. Somebody wanted to use my abilities for evil purposes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. You're laughing about it. Think about it. Gee, get my hands on this guy. You know, whoa. Really, they they wanted me to do some stuff. And I said, you know, that's really unethical. What was it? I'm not going to go into what it was, but trust me. Trust me. It was pretty bad. <laughs> all, right, all right. Let's get back to the pinballs then, okay? Back to pinball. Okay, okay, go ahead. Okay, so the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. No. No? Nope. Oh, come on. This is your calling, and you didn't take because it? They went to Bill Scott's son, Bill Scott Jr., and he did it. Okay. And they went to June Foray, and she did it. And that's that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Jurassic Park. We talked a little bit about this. Yeah. yeah. What other than uh, Gold Bloom, Sam Neill? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was that was interesting. That was a very interesting game, and I got a chance to uh, do a demo, which was presented in front of Steven Spielberg, Mr. Spielberg, uh, to announce the game. This is back. This is uh, oh, fifteen years ago. Long time ago. Tales from the Crypt. It would have, but they they had the person to do him. But I can do uh, the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, I could do that voice, sure. But that's not me. So it's not me on the game, no. I was gearing up for it, but it's okay. That's all. No, you see, you have to be professional, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I'm not on that, no. But I get, I get the kids that... Halloween is very big. You know, they come to the door, but they got cameras and got mini cams. They got the lights on me and everything. And they want to hear. They want to hear stuff. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, well, you're always on stage, aren't you? My headpiece. I scared the hell out of them. So I don't wear that anymore. Yeah, you're on. You're always on stage, aren't you? Not really. No. I'm giving out candy, and right away, what you do is something. What do I do with the kids? You know, but then they come to the door with the. I came to the door and they had the mini cam with the lights and the whole bit, and they're recording. You know, on camera. Hi, how are you? Happy Halloween. Do something. What do you do? <laughs> You're stuck. You know what I mean? What do you do? And it's for the kids anyway. You know. Maverick. I know you did something yeah. on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What What'd you do on Maverick? Once again, the powers that be gave me permission to do whatever I had to do. <laughs> But I'm not Jodie Foster. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how good are you at female voices? I'm not a female impersonator, but I have one. I did do Edith Bunker on a commercial. I won an award. But I really don't do female voices. I'm not a female impersonator. So that's a completely different talent then, huh? That, well, well, the thing is, the thing is, there's female... Well, the thing is, if you're going to do something with a female vocal, you might as well get it, go to a female and do it. And I can, now for example, I cannot do Bart Simpson, nor do I pretend to do Bart Simpson. However, somebody calls me up and says, well, you've got to show me how the voice goes so I can show a, a, a woman how to get to that voice. But I can't do it vocally because it's just not there. On the other hand, they can't do all the other stuff that I can do. So it balances out. So we let other people do that. We let other people, as far as females concerned, when there's a female situation or they, you know, they do 
whatever they have to do. You know, the powers that be, as I say. Right. Yeah. Now, are there, I assume there's got to be equivalents, female equivalents of you, right? A female equivalent of me. Let me think. Around here or the United States, I haven't met her yet. <laughs> I have not met her yet. No. I would, there was, let's see. No? Let me think. No. Not even one of my colleagues. No. Even one of my other colleagues. I even had to show her how to do some stuff. See, I'll show you. Sometimes you get into this one of my colleagues calls me, oh, Fred, 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 I got to do this. And what is it? I got into the church lady. I said, so? That's Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live. I don't know any of the lines. So I have to coach her, and she goes in. She won the audition. I coached her. She knew all the lines. I showed her how it went, and that was that. But she did that, and but I have to coach her, even though it's almost like a male cross, you know, whatever. Right, right. But, but you got to help me. So I have to be up to date with all this stuff, you know. So then she won the audition. Same thing with the person doing Bart. But they say, ah, but, I, but then they say, well, I, we don't have your repertoire. So it takes many, many years to do what I do. Many, many, many years. I'd like to take a break of talking with Fred Young tonight on TopCast, and we'll be right back after this message. Deep in the forests of eastern Canada, you will find something, well, groundbreaking. And something that's very, very pinball, but something that's really, really small. Presenting classic Playfield reproductions. <laughs> Two guys in their basements. We've got the passion, we've got the gear, and we've got the quality. Doing our very best to remake classic and more modern pinball replacement parts. Classic Playfield reproductions. Playfields. Back glasses. Plastic sets. On the web at classicplayfields.com. All right, we're back with Fred Young, a voice actor for many of our favorite pinball games. Here's one I know that you, you, that you're gonna involved in what? Space Jam. Yes and no. Now you're gonna say yes and no. Well, what happened was I get a phone call again from Joe, <laughs> yeah. and he says, "Hi, how are you? Is it fine?" And he says, uh, "Can you do, uh, you know?" Bugs Bunny and Marvin the Marsh. I said, sure. Mel Blanc, my God. He had 1,200 voices. Do you know that? No. So, so he was up on you by by 202. Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> but he he actually created these characters, you know what I mean? And I said, so I did that. And he had Ray Clay on the phone, and Ray Clay was doing his stuff because he was going to be on this thing. And they said... They, they asked me if I would do it, and I said no. See, I can say no, too, right? Well, why would you say no to this? I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I said no. And the reason why is, once again, the powers of be. I said, I am not going to get these are actual, you know, they are the treasures of Warner Brothers and Mel Blanc and everything, and I'm not going to do something that's going to appeal somebody without giving me the rights. So the deal, that situation, when that situation came up, not to, not to undermine anybody, they said, well, we'll record you, and I said, and, and we'll take it over there for, you know, for whatever reason, 
And suppose they don't like it, I said. Then it won't be, then it won't, won't have nothing to do with the game. I said, okay. As long as you, you know, go to them and say, hey, what do you think? You know what I mean? Right. And that, in that circumstance, there are other different circumstances. Once again, I don't get involved in that area, but I said no because right away you don't want to get in trouble. And the same thing when that thing happened with Back to the Future. I said, no, I'm not going to get into trouble with all these people. No, 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 you're not going to, you know. So you worry about that. Well, you know, you didn't really talk about the Back to the Future incident, was it? But, yeah, that, that uh, yeah, I'm in, I was involved in that, sure. And, and was that a, uh, a problem game? Well, uh, not, not for me, but I did get involved. That was, that was, way, that was, back in, that was 18 years ago, too. It's just that, once again, you don't want to upset, you don't want to upset any apple cart. You don't want to make somebody feel uncomfortable or make somebody mad at you. You don't want that, you know what I mean? Because they'll come back at you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And as long, you know, Joe called me up Friday at 9 o'clock that a certain particular person didn't want to do it, and it was just two lines, and he wanted me to do it. And I said no because I'm not going to get in trouble with God knows who, you know. And he says, no, 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 you know, everything will be taken care of, you know, but the powers that be, once again, the powers that be. I said, I said, okay, but I don't have a studio in the house. I recorded on a cassette, and then it, that's what happened there. That was 18 years ago, so that's what happened there. But uh, it wasn't difficult for me, but it, they were having problems, I, I heard. But that was 18 years ago, you know. It's a nice game, you know, whatever. You know, but it got around. It gets around town. Certain things get around town very quickly. You know, at that time, I'm sure it does now too. Sure. So you ended up. Did they end up approving your Space Jam? They didn't. See. Hmm. What What didn't they like? Nothing that I did got into that game. So I say. So that's why I have to say yes and no. I swear, I'm telling you the truth. I know it's incredulous, but remember. Uh, Whoever has whatever decisions and whatever situations come up, I don't have that final decision. I only I can I only do what they ask me to do, and then then it's out of my hands completely. And a final decision came up, and it wasn't me. So that's what happened there. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Uh, no, I say yes and no. I did require. I don't know where that session is either. I think Brian must have it under lock and key somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Now, what about the Star Wars trilogy? Which one? <laughs> well, there was the, they had the original Star Wars game, and then they came out with one four years later that was Star Wars Trilogy. The original, I am involved with the original Star Wars game. And that was the only one I was involved with. Starship Troopers. Yes. Tell me about that one. Once again, I'm over at Brian's house, and we're, because I didn't see the, I didn't see any movie or anything, <laughs> so they had to tell me what was going. Basically, sometimes I'd never see the movies or anything, you know, and they just have to, they just have to tell me what's what's going on. So I'm on a walkie-talkie in uh, in the backyard with Brian, and we're doing some some recordings. And by the way, you didn't even ask me when I do these recordings is does actually approval come up for some of these lines and things? Yes. And it doesn't come from me, and that's handled by somebody else also. 
So that's that's another thing. Everything has to be on the up and up. You know what I mean? So the, as I said, the powers that be, and that's the story, and I'm keeping to that, you know. But we, I forgot, I, you know what? There was some nondescript stuff, but I was involved in that, in that game, sure. And, and, you know, another thing, I must preface by saying this, and I think it's wonderful that you're interviewing me, and it's a pleasure to talk to you, Clay, but you guys really know more about these games. I mean, from the pinball thing, I did get calls to do video games and redemption games, too. I'm also on a few other things, and a few other, other types of games. But you guys are the experts. You guys know who does the artwork and who does the electronics and who does this and who does that and who did um, the play field or whatever the heck it is. I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the weird thing is, like, your name doesn't come up in any of the credits on any of the online stuff, you know? Fine. You that, know? That's fine. That you're okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that, sure. It's it's nothing. In, see, the people know, the people in the know, know. The people that don't, in, that, that don't know, that's fine with me. Because the fun thing is, is that him or isn't it? And that's where the fun stuff comes in because you'll never, you'll never know. And I don't like to actually show you where, where I am. That'll be in the book someday too, I, obviously, but that's okay with me. That's, that's fine with me because, uh, I'm heard all over the world. And as I said at the seminar, that's pretty nice. You know, Clay, think about that. I'm heard all over the world. Now, how many other people can actually say that they're heard all over the world? Yeah, and somebody else made mention of something, which I don't know if it's true or not, but they said, you know, it's probably a Guinness Book World Record that you're on more pinball machines in the entire world than anybody. I said, yeah, but... That, that's nice to know, but it's nice that I'm heard all over the world. <laughs> right. So that's kind of nice, you know? It's kind of nice. And besides, it's a tribute to my talent and ability and acting and everything. Because remember, when you're on camera, you can do all kinds of little tricks and this, that, and the other thing, and you can do expressions. When it's just you and the mic, you have to do it vocally. I have to do it with my voice with the acting and everything, because without the acting, it just doesn't come through. Now, what, what voice are you most proud of? that I'm most proud of? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, let's, well, Elmo's pretty technical. It took uh, 36 years to do. Um, I don't know. They're all my, they're all my friends. I really, um, most proud of. Boy, that's, a, that's an interesting question. That is kind of interesting. I'd have to say, I'd have to say all of them. And the reason why is sometimes I have to create the stuff. But that's not the question that comes up normally. Normally I get what's the hardest voice in the world. Yoda's pretty difficult. Elmo's pretty difficult. Um, uh, what's the question that mostly comes up, which you'll find interesting, is do you go through what all these people on these shows go through, like American Idol or uh, Dancing with the Stars, you know, where they constantly berate you and criticize you, and you know, you go in, you're no good, you know, you know, and like America's Got Talent, you know, where they where they actually 
take the dagger and just stab, you know, whatever you are, you're no good, you know, they give you the buzzer, you're no good, you stink and all that. No, that really doesn't happen. When an agent calls me up or one of my agents calls me up, they know I'm a professional, I go in. Whether I get it or not, that's, that's not me. It's up to the decision of the producer or whatever. It's up to whoever is a commercial or whatever. That somebody else says, okay, I want this person, this person. And if they don't choose me, well, I have a standard phrase. You know what my phrase is? What? They have no taste. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's one. You know, when you've got these 998 voices. Now, can you go back? I mean, once you learn a voice, is that burned into your memory forever? Can you go back and recall that voice and do it again at any point? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I have what's called an audiographic memory, which I had to understand that for a while. I can hear a little more distinctively than a lot of people. I can hear nuances, and sometimes I have to. Now, Blank had it, Dawes Butler, I'm sure, had it, Don Messick had it. You say, who's Don Messick? Well, he was the original voice of Scooby-Doo, and he was also Astro on the Jetsons. And if you listen to Astro on the Jetsons, remember Astro on the Jetsons? Yep. You'll hear the same thing in Scooby-Doo, right? Yeah. But I gave you that key. You know, you, sometimes I need to hear. I need to hear some. Sometimes it depends on how hard you have to practice to make it look effortless. You know what I mean? Right. And then I have another. I have other techniques and things. I'm not going to tell you all of my secrets, <laughs> but it's a lot of listening, a lot of rehearsal, and a lot of practice, 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 and practice, and a lot of, a lot of, you know, it, like it got to a point where Joe says. Uh, get some information, you know, and I have to go and get videotapes or now the DVDs or whatever, and I have videos and things still just to see, you know, just to just to uh, rehearse and uh, practice. But, yeah, I can recall it. I can recall it very quickly. Now, do you... Uh, and to figure out, you know. Do you have to practice by in front of a, a tape recorder because of the way you hear yourself is slightly different than the way it sounds recorded? Everybody has a head tone. You have a head tone. Everyone, and everyone hears differently. I found that out through many, many years of doing things. I'm also part of a book. I'm also in a book called The Business of Voiceovers by Charles Fuller. It's not the other Charles Fuller. It's Charles Fuller that taught at uh, Columbia College. He passed away a number of years ago. He passed away about two years ago. And he was my colleague and friend. And I was guest lecturer over at the acting voiceover class at Columbia. And that was one of the things. When they heard themselves on the air, they said, yeah, that's me? You have a head tone. Now, I have to know how I sound. Rich Little, at that time, had to know how he sounds. I have to go past that to make certain, and then I record myself and see what's going on. When the time you're in the studio now with the digital technology we have today, they control it. You know, I, I, I want to hear that last line. And I can hear myself, and I say, well, maybe I have to tweak a little bit. We have to do something, some other, some other hocus-pocus. You understand what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Uh, you ha everyone hears differently, and it depends on the context that they're hearing it. Okay? So when you hear things coming out of me, that's what, that's what gets people crazy. Because all of a sudden, you know, you know like last week, one of my neighbor's kids, I was banging at my door, what the heck is this? And they're saying, trick-or-treat. I said, what are you guys talking about? Get out of here. And they, they said, would you do me a favor? What? Would you do Homer? I said, get out of here. What are you bothering me? I'm busy doing this. 
Would you do a homer? Now, now, when the kids, you can't disappoint kids, can you? Well, you could. Yeah. But I can't disappoint <laughs> kids. Come on. You could. You say, yeah, the hell with them. No, 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 no. You can't disappoint kids. So I do. Then they start laughing, you know. And then they want to hear the family guy, you know. You know. Here's Stewie or Brian or something. So you can't disappoint. It's just that. Then they, how do you do that? And I say, very well, thank you. <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Can you teach me to do that? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, that's another thing. In the class, I can show you, and then somebody else took over the class, I still got called in. I can show you different acting techniques, but doing voices, either you do it or you don't. And if you can do it, hey, fine. If you can't do it, fine too. You know, everyone has their limits. Uh, Everyone ha- vocally, everyone has their limits, but everyone hears differently. So I have to get past that head tone, and it, that takes many, many, many years to get past that. So I have to know how I sound. For example, if uh, we'll go back to Homer. Now, Homer's Dan Castellaneta, and I worked with him back in 86, and he was uh, with the uh, Second City ETC troupe, and I got called to do an industrial as we said, industrial recording, and they brought him in, and I did the voice of Walter Cronkite, because we call him Walter Crankcase, and he did the Sylvester Stallone, and Aaron Freeman, the great Aaron Freeman's in the back and listening, laughing his head off as we're going through this, and I met him, I met his wife. But Homer's voice, if to get the key to Homer, it's really Walter Matthau. You know who Walter Matthau was, don't you? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Remember the odd couple? Yes. Think about that. Now, think about the odd couple voice, Okay. Yeah, Felix. I can't take it, Felix. I'm cracking up. That's actually Homer. If you think about it, you get the key. You get the. You see the similarities? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. And originally, when Dan did Homer, he sounded like Walter Matthau. It was like, um, Oh, Marge, what are we gonna do today? Oh, we have to do something. Then he says, I can't sustain that for 13 weeks. 13 weeks, 19, 20 years later. Right. So what he did was he raised it. And then it became the normal Homer Simpson voice you normally hear every day. See? Huh. So, so these are the tricks to, to come up with a new voice. Some, yeah, that's one of, the, one of my techniques. I have other techniques, but that's one of the things. And you, when you... For example, Yogi Bear, you wouldn't... Remember Yogi Bear? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you know who that was? No, not a clue. I'm going to tell you. Think about it. You see the hat? Visualize the hat. You see the hat on the head? You see the bow tie? Right. You know who that was that Dawes Butler based it on? This is what he based it on. Art Kearney. Huh. Think about it. Hey, Ralphie Boy! Right? Right. Hey, Boo Boo! Like, uh, where's Mr. Ranger, sir? Right. See what I mean? Yeah. And that's where some of the other characters came from, believe it or not. But getting back to that question, I have to get past that head tone. And that takes many, many years and a lot of practice. To make it look, I make it look easy, don't I, when I go in and out of the voice, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I make it look like anybody can do it, right? Yeah, well, I know that's not the case. <laughs> no, it, I found out later it wasn't the case. Yeah, I thought, well, you know. And something really tricky, like Elmo's voice, 
Now, I'll do Elmo for you right now, and I'm going to tell you right now. This takes 36 years, <laughs> and I'm not Kevin Clash. He does the voice of Elmo. I'm just doing, an, I'm just doing an, a mimic an impression of it, okay? Okay. Okay, I'm going to do Elmo for you right now, all right? Now, don't get freaked out by this, please. <laughs> this will show you how difficult. Uh, I'll, show you, I'll show you a trick right now. You ready? Why? What makes that voice so difficult? Because it's breathy. You, you, okay, let's see you do it. <laughs> you, yeah, you're you're not going to see me do it. I know, I know. It's it's uh, it's what we call a trick trick voice. Okay, and to do it takes many many years of practice, 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 practice. Now, did the original actor that did it? I mean, did he still does it? He still operates Elmo. That's Kevin Clash. Yeah. Yeah, did, does did is it something that comes natural to him? Obviously, because he doesn't talk in Elmo's voice all the time. I don't know, but he doesn't do any other voices. That's the only voice he has. Hmm. I have to go beyond that and be able to do these other things. That was just part of the, my package of, of tricks through the years. But it is pretty wild to turn it on, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice that you can like slip on a dime, you know, and you're and you're doing it. Oh well, it depends on how long you have to sustain it, too. You know. You know, I can I can keep it up. You know, somebody asked me, uh, Elmo, would you record for my answer machine? And I said, Yeah, I can do so. Yeah, you don't have that much money to pay me, baby. <laughs> it's pretty wild, huh? Now, what? Okay, let's get back to some of these games. Uh, Harley Davidson. Yes, for Harley Davidson. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. what? Basically, you're the whole game, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And one of the voices had to be changed because it was too good. What do you mean? Well, you see, everyone hears differently. And so when, it, when the powers that be heard it, remember, it has to, whatever, as I said, it's out of my hands. Once I record, I don't know what's going on. And whatever over there, they just heard something that sounded like somebody else, and I had to re-record some stuff. But the thing is, I wasn't doing anybody that I thought I was doing. So, and that's why I say everyone hears differently. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They heard they heard something that maybe we didn't even think of. They came out of left field, and it almost sounded like like somebody they didn't want in the game, <laughs> or some celebrity didn't want in the game. And I wasn't doing any celebrity, but that's where I get to that point. Everyone hears differently. Sure. Now, now, at this point, we change gears to the new to the current Stern Company, and you're you're still involved with them, right? Oh sure. sure. Okay. And now, so um, now on some of like. Let's take a title like Austin Powers. Like you, that was all Mike Myers, right? Right, 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 right. right. And because again, they want to get the principal if they can. Right, right, right. And besides, there's certain, as I said, there's there's certain rules and regulations that I don't get involved in, and uh, of course we abide by those rules and regulations. You know, we don't. You know, they. It's it's. You know, whoever, as I said, the, right now the powers that be. But I, I get involved when I when I'm able to get involved, and when I'm not, hey, I don't. Um. Oh, okay, how about <laughs> Playboy? <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. Come on. No, listen, if I was involved with that, I heard about that. There was a couple of Playboy games, you know. Yeah. But I, if I would have been involved with that, I would have been at the mansion at Hombly Hills with the rest of the people. I didn't even get close to that. 
<laughs> and I didn't get my hands on any good stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> I would have loved to have been there. But no, 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 no. Sorry. No. I would love to. I mean, whether I get a chance or I get my hands on anything, you know, that's another story. It's just, uh, no, and uh, please. But I just want you to know that, uh, as, as I said, I celebrate 19 years. You can bring this up later. 19 years. Next year will be 20 years. Uh, recording uh, for Pinball and all the other games. But it's 19, yeah, 20 years. 20 years, 1989, sure, next year. Is that something? Yeah, that's... I, 20 years of anything is amazing. Well, look, they know they can count on me. I'm, the, it, like, one time, I forgot who the hell, uh, Joe calls me up. I just came back from downtown because I was doing some other recordings or for whatever, acting or something. I kept that, I get back... And uh, Joe calls me, listen, you got to get over here. <laughs> I said, what? you got to get over here. Everyone's working tonight. I said, what are you telling me I was working? I didn't even have dinner. We're having dinner here. You'll have dinner here. Uh, just get over here. So I said, uh, well, who am I? I don't know. What am I? I don't know. Uh, where am I? I don't know. I said, Joe, what do you know? <laughs> just get over here. That's all I said. Just get over here. What the hell? So I walk in. They brought out the whole Chinese restaurant. And then I walk in. They want to hear voices. <laughs> And I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. What game was this? I don't know. <laughs> it was some video thing. This came up out of the blue. I don't know. I really, really, really don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I just had to go over there. I walk in. The whole Chinese restaurant, they bought out the whole Chinese restaurant. Everyone's working all night long. He gives me a check. Is this enough? I said, fine. Well, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and also, I get thrown in a room. Uh, here's the character of some video thing, and you're a superhero or something, and come up with something. Huh. So in other words, i got to come up with something immediately. <laughs> and, and how often do they ask you to do that, to be like Johnny on the spot? Uh, that was a long time ago. Normally, we, we do, we, there is some prep time. Normally, we, we, we do practice. You know, uh, Johnny on the spot, that goes into other things with... Uh, with meetings and got to talk it over. It's a lot, a lot of discussion, you know. But we have to see what what needs what what the needs are. You know what I mean? Right. So continue. All right, Simpsons pinball party. No, they're they're not going to let you in on Simpsons, are they? <laughs> you want me to do that, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, uh, you want? All right, look, I'll do some Simpsons voices for you. Okay, <laughs> who do you want? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> you want what? All of them. You want all of them? You want, me, you want to take a walk around Springfield? Yeah. All right, Clay, just for you. This will make you happy, right? Yeah. Okay. Just for you. And once again, I'm not the voices on the Simpsons show. I'd love to be on the Simpsons show, but I'm not. All of my voice, the celebrity voices are impersonated. I'm just showing technique now for Clay over here, okay? And that's the disclaimer. I'm sticking to it because I don't want anyone coming after you with a lawsuit, okay? All right. All right. Uh, uh, you, want me, you want to go through? Okay, uh, let's see. Well, Homer's voice is basically like this. Matter of fact, that stupid Mr. Burns. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day is 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm not drunk yet. So I got to get drunk at 10. Hey, Homer, can I ask you a little, little question? Yeah, get lost, Flanders. Oakley, Oakley. Let's see, who else do you want? You want, uh, you want Mo? Yeah, Mo. Sure, okay. I'll tell you what, Homer. I'll give you a free beer. Oh, gee, thanks, Mo. Homer, it's not free yet. Hey, 
You see how fast I can switch around? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I really find amazing. Well, there's more. Watch this. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to destroy you later. Oh, gee, thanks, Mr. Prince. I'm going to have to work now. Uh, sir, uh, where's my radiation-proof suit? How the hell should I know? <laughs> so, so you like that, huh? How, I mean, how hard is it to turn on a dime? That takes many years' practice. How hard is it? Yeah, I mean, do you have to... Be like you have to practice each voice, or I mean, you know, practice and figure out a way to switch. I can switch like uh, like uh, somebody said. You can go like from a monster voice to a Tinkerbell voice in a, in a twinkling of an eye. I said yes, and Bruce Lee could go through a, a sidekick in the twinkling of an eye too. So I'm not Bruce Lee, but he's not me. <laughs> right. So I have to be able to switch around, like if I'm. Hey, man, I'm still driving a bus. And uh, auto and... That Brock with the news, and it looks like uh, the stock went double-double bankruptcy. And uh, let's see. Uh, Bart Simpson, I know that it's you. Uh, Willie... Ah, ready to have the principal skinner. Sorry, Willie, we're going to have to cut your uh, hourly rate. I'm going to have to cut your throat one of these days. i got a good boom. i got a good boom. I liked it the way it was before. Let's see, uh, let's see, who else do you want? Um, one Apu? Oh, yeah. Oh, Mr. Simpson, it's so nice to see you today. As a matter of fact, it's nice that you're coming over to the Quickie Mart. Yeah, Apu, this is stale. Can I get my money back? On the stock credit. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Here's the one that I'm dying to know about, and I really hope you can say, you can say yes to this one. Elvis. Did you do anything in Elvis? No. Oh, man, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why not? I like that. Why not? Because they had somebody in there that was a true, obviously, Elvis impersonator, and I was not involved in the project. Got to be professional. I was not involved in the project. Sorry. Not everyone is right for every part. Think of trying to get Lawrence Olivier, God rest his soul, to be uh, to be uh, doing uh, uh, Ben Kenobi in uh, Star Wars. Not everyone is right for every part. He wouldn't be uh, Lawrence Olivier, great actor, wasn't he? Terrific, but he wouldn't be good as Rocky. Right. Okay. Continue. You got to you got to go through this. All right. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. What, what, how were you involved with that one? Well, that, uh, and this summer, that's my 30th game. And I am not, I am not uh, the Johnny Depp character. No. I am a big squealing, I'm a parrot, and I'm all the other pirates. And all that, as I said, had to be taken care of with other people saying, you can do this, you can do that, but you can't do this, you can't do that. Now, why wouldn't they have you do Johnny? No, they no. Somebody else is doing that. Why? Because that. Because once again, as I said, uh, if somebody, if, if the legalities, I don't know what the legalities are. Why? Because you don't say, "Well, I'm going to do it in the heck." No, you can't do that because you see, they dictate certain policies. Okay, and there's so many different people 
that are involved outside of what I do. I don't, as I said, once again, I don't know. Well, do they have, like, do actors have, um, you know, voice doubles that they, they want people to use? Yes, probably so, yeah. But what that is, as I said, I don't get involved. If they say we, they have somebody else to do that, that's fine and dandy. Then I stay out of it. I'm not involved. As far as that's concerned. There's, there's a lot, there's a, as I said, you'd have to call, if, you know, it's like everything else. You're allowed to do certain things, and if I'm like, I recorded all that stuff for Space Jam, but nothing went in it. You understand what I'm saying? Because right. the powers that be said they had other ideas. They had other situations or people or whatever. So I say fine and dandy. I don't make waves or anything. Because that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't really be a professional. Right. Yeah, it would not be professional. As far as legalities are concerned, it probably has to go into, it went into legalities. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But everything, as I said, has to be, you know, if it's not there, it's not there. You don't start making waves. You don't want to do that. Because then you'll get people in trouble. And you don't want to get me in trouble. And I don't want to get in trouble. And that, as I said, that happened. I was almost involved with a lawsuit, and I didn't want that to happen. And it got, into, it got very testy, and I'm not going into whatever. I just want you to know it's terrible when you're being subpoenaed. Right. And you don't want to go through that. So I'm just saying, you're asking me why. Because that's the way other individuals, which I'm not in control with, wants it. You know, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say, hey... Uh, I'll do whatever I want, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lucas, would you? <laughs> right. I mean, if certain other individuals are dictating policy, that's fine. And I do not, you know, one time, just to let you know, one time I uh, received a phone call from, uh, from, from another, another person who was a production house in town, and they wanted me to do something in regard to a Disney character. And right away I said, we're going to get sued. He says, I know, I know. I said, you know, you know, we're going to get sued. It didn't, it, subsequently, it didn't go. And I said, no, because of that situation. And I said that, I said, no, 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 you don't want to, you don't want to bother with that. You know, and that's why I don't get into that area. But I can say no if I want to. But as I said, I it's wonderful to be involved in this because they see when people trust you, that's the most important thing. And they know that I'm professional to say, Hey it didn't work. Okay. Now what about family guy? Uh no. That was an awful slow no. You like that slow no, don't you? <laughs> yeah. The reason why, okay, okay. I originally, for whatever, when the, when the situation came up, and you know, there's always talks and things, you know what I mean? Yep. And I basically said, you know who the person who, who does those voices, you know who that person is, I'm sure. And I said, you know, let them do it. Unless something else comes up where they say they don't want to and do whatever you want, that's another story. But that's why I said no. Now, can I can I do the 
Family Guy voices. Oh yeah. So that's where that's where you see that's where the t- once again, if you want me to do, I'll show you how those how they how they go. It's it's not that uh, you know it's it's another another type, it's another area of as we say expertise. But I can show you how those voices go. I mean, but as I said, I'm once again, I'm not the person who actually does that. I'm just showing you. I'm just showing that I can do it. But I'm. I've so many voices at one all times are impersonated. As far as this is concerned, these characters. You know, that's that's you know that's their that's their pride and joy. It's like, you know, you don't want to go out. You know, you don't want to bother them. You know. But now you'd like to hear some Family Guy stuff, huh? Of course. A little bit, right? Of course. Clean stuff, of course, right? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yeah, sure, Lois. Uh, let's see. How can I do this? Uh, how can I really say this? Uh, Lois, uh, Brian's a dog. Oh, I'll do that line that I did at the start. Oh, Brian, it's terrible. You know that Twilight Zone episode where all the doctors got pig faces? Yes, I do, Peter. I know that one real well. I like that one, you know? So stupid. <laughs> He's so stupid. You know that? She tells me he's got to have a vasectomy. He says, well, first of all, I don't know what that means. And second of all, hey, Lois, how about dinner? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you want to hear Stewie now, right? Yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, oh, Brian. Yeah, what is it, Stewie? Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, this is something that's bothering me. Uh, who's that person over there? Not your father, Stewie. That's what I mean. Who's that idiot over there? So of all the voices you do, what is, I mean, what's the one that you have the most fun with? Oh, my God. Most fun with? <laughs> yeah. Uh, most fun with. Uh, how would you like to live with this? <laughs> how would you like to live with this, right? Oh, great. Fred's here. Do a voice. You don't understand the kind of trouble. Fun with? Yeah, there's got to be one that you just... Yeah, Homer is a lot of fun. Uh, it depends on what what I'm I'm doing. One day I was I said I was talking to Bugs Bunny's voice all day for some reason, some strange, unexplainable reason. So it just got monotonous because you can get tired tired of doing that. As far as most fun is concerned, they're all pretty much a lot of fun, depending on depending on circumstances. But sometimes, sometimes it gets a little crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, well, well, here's a better question then. What's the best practical joke you've ever come up with using a voice? Oh, I don't do that. Well, I'll put it this way. When I was... When I was... What are you, the best one? Yeah, yeah. Is this off the record? No. <laughs> no, that I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. When I was 13, 14, I called up a hotel as a celebrity to see how far I can get away with I won't tell you what hotel, I won't tell you what celebrity, but they went nuts. What, what do you mean they went nuts? They actually thought it was him on the phone. <laughs> it, you were 13, so this was like a million years ago. Come on. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not gonna t- and I never called back the hotel. <laughs> what, you're, you're still worried about it to this day? No, no, no. But that's what, I don't really, I, when, you get, when you're professional, you don't play practical jokes. But I will tell you what happened a couple of times. I'll tell you how some of this stuff gets ridiculous, okay? This is true now, outside of the realm. Okay. I was getting obscene phone calls. Actual obscene phone calls. I was living in Chicago. And it got to a point where, I, you know, you slammed the phone. It'd be, it'd be disgusting. You know what I mean? I mean, absolutely disgusting. 
So finally I said, if the next guy that calls me up, I'm going to fix him for the rest of his natural life. Three o'clock in the morning, the phone rings. I swear to you, this is the truth. And I'm cleaning this up a little bit, okay? But he said basically he was going to kill me and kill my whole family. Okay? I wake up real fast. I mean, fire is coming out of my eyes. Lightning is coming out of my eyes. And so what did I do? What did I do? Not a clue. I did Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) I did Rodney Dangerfield. God rest his soul. I was doing an impression of Rodney Dangerfield. He thought he was talking to Rodney. I'm like, you know, I said, I mean, you got trouble. I got news for you. Hey, man, I got news for you. My wife, ooh, my wife. Oh, she drives me nuts. Ooh, my wife. Yeah, he says, oh, Mr. Dangerfield, I'm terribly sorry. It's just, it's just a put-on. You know, I'm just... I'll tell you, you see my wife. Ooh, I'll tell my kid about the birds and the bees. He told me about my wife and the butcher. You know, and I'm doing all of his lines, all of his stuff, because I saw him perform in Vegas. And, and I had the guy going for 20 minutes, and finally the guy was saying, listen, I'm a sick person. I do this. I punch up numbers on a keypad just to, you know, whatever. So I had this guy going for 20 minutes, like, uh, my girl was ugly, ooh, she was ugly, how ugly, and he asked me how ugly, I said, you was always a two-bagger, that's where you're a brown paper bag over your head and gets a brown paper bag over her head, breaks, oh, she had pigtails under her armpits, I went to pet her cat, it was the hair on her legs, I took her to a dog show, she walked out with two blue ribbons, a couple of guys broke into her apartment, she yelled out rape, they yelled out no. So, I mean... The Empire State Building, planes started to attack her. You look up ugly in the dictionary, there's her picture. I had the guy going for 20 minutes, so this is what happened. This is the kicker of the whole thing. He said, I'm terribly sorry, Mr. He thought he was calling some hotel. Now, he didn't know he's nuts. The guy, you know, sick person. He says, he says, I'm terribly sorry. And so I said the main line that drove him nuts. The main line was, oh, yeah, we got news for you. We had you on the phone long enough. We traced this call. The FBI is in. We know we are. We're coming to get you. <laughs> he laughed his blood-curling scream. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, he went nuts. Now the guy starts crying to me over the phone. Oh, please, please, please don't. So I got news for you. Here we are. We're coming, coming to get you. And the CIA and FBI have been tracing this call. So the guy went nuts. Oh, please, Mr. Danger. Please don't. don't, 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 don't. You're never going to do this again, are you? You're never going to do this again, are you? No, no, we're going to do this again. Well, certainly, because we know we are. We're going to come and get you. You know, the guy never called me back. Well, then you were successful. Another time, I had uh, some kids calling me, and they were raunchy, too, these kids, and they thought they, they thought they were cute. I'd tell them I was a police officer, and I usually stopped it. It didn't stop it. So finally, I called the phone company. I told them what I do, and they say, well, what do you want? Do you want to put a tracer? I said, no, no. Let them call me one more time. What are you going to do? I'm going to give them the nightmare they never had in their life. So they called me up, and then I said, excuse me, somebody wants to talk to you. So who did I put on the phone? I put Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) Scared the living crap out of him. You want to hear what I did? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet, fresh meat. (laughs) If you ever call this phone number again, I will tear and rip the flesh from your bones. And they never called me back. You notice that, you know, I don't really get too many prank calls. I think you get them all. No, I don't get any prank calls anymore. No, I used to. Not anymore. They know better. <laughs> you start up with me? You start up with me? Come on. Oh, go ahead. All right, wait. I, that was a long time ago. That was like 
24 years ago or something. But these kids thought they were, you know, whatever, you get a new phone number, and, you know, at that time, at that time, now it's so, you know, rigid, you can tell from caller ID who's, who's calling you, you know what I mean? Right, right. So now there's none, that, that eliminated all these, all these nonsensical, ridiculous calls, because now you got caller ID, so that really, even if you don't, you can always hit star 69 and, and get the phone number, if, unless they, they hit the, whatever, right. you can always put a tracer on it, things like that, too. And somebody was pranking me, but I, that, I put a stop to that, too. They were just stupid pranks and everything. But I, see, they, see, unfortunately, I recorded it, and I played it for the phone company. You see, they were stupid enough to do that, and I had it on my answer machine, so I recorded it. They thought, they were, they thought it was funny, you know. So that happened, too, but that's a long time ago, too. That's 10, 15 years ago, you know. But it's true, yeah, some of this stuff. Now, another funny thing happened. Uh, I mean, certain other things happened. Um... Even at my mom's funeral, God rest her soul, certain things happen. When I was called in, ah, you want me to tell you about that very briefly? I'm at my mom's funeral, and before the funeral, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, but I'm not thinking correctly. So I wanted this funeral parlor to call the cemetery. And how did I get them to do that? Because they said, well, you have to call yourself. Well, I don't want to do that. So what did I do? I was doing some voices for them, and I was doing Yoda or whatever for them. Well, let me tell you, the day of the funeral, you're not going to believe this. I swear to you, this is the truth. The owner, and I'm sitting there, and I'm upset, you know, my mom, and my mom always said, you're a great voice master, never give up, you know. Because, you know, sometimes you think about hanging it up. You know, you think about, hey, you know, I can do other things. You know what I mean? Right. Well, the owner comes over to me. And he said, I wanted to meet you. Now, remember, I got people behind me. I got actors, actresses, producers, music producers, my music producers behind me. Everyone's upset. This guy comes over and he says, I want to just meet you because you have embraced all of us. I said, oh? And they're all hearing this in the background. What did, no, right now, so what did Fred do? What did he do now? <laughs> I wanted to meet you because you have embraced us. Well, sure, they think of, they deal with death all the time, you know. And you did stuff for us. You did voices for us. And I just wanted to show you. You see, I've got a Scooby-Doo watch. <laughs> That's nice. And I've got Scooby-Doo socks on. You had to show me the Scooby-Doo watch. I was doing Scooby-Doo also for them. You know, you know. What's the matter, Scooby? You want a snack? Yeah. Watch out for that door. No, no, Shaggy. No, no, no. Watch out. He had to show it to me, and I got people, now people come over, what the hell were you doing? <laughs> what the hell's going on, right? I did a couple, I turned around, I said, I did a couple of voices for them, and they were, he was in the power of my hand. I don't know. True. I swear to you, it's true. In regard to a funeral, something happened last year. Very strange. I'm at somebody else's. I, one of my friends, the one I did the master's degree for, her girlfriend's son, he had a drug problem. He OD'd. 28 years old. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. So I went there to pay my respects. And blah, 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 blah. And next day is going to be the funeral. And subsequently, they said, we want you at, at the luncheon later, but you don't have to be one of the pallbearers. So I subsequently became one of the pallbearers because somebody didn't show up. That's another story. So now it's about 9 o'clock, 9.15 or 9.30. Now, they have an open casket, okay? You got that? Yep. 
and a certain amount of decorum. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Fred Young is here, right? The great Fred Young is here, right? Uh-huh. It's about 9.30, I swear to God to you, all of a sudden, and you got a, you got a person lying there. And right away, well, Fred, do some, do some voices, will you? Do some, uh... <laughs> At a funeral. I said, you know, a little reverence here, a little decorum. This is, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah, but it'll break the monotony. The monotony? There's a person lying there! There's a person, you know, it's like a sketch from Seinfeld, right? There's a person lying there, and you want me to do, yeah, do Homer, you know, do, 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 do Yoda, yeah, do some stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead, do Bugs Bunny, whatever. There's a person lying there! <laughs> I subsequently couldn't leave unless I did one, so I did one voice, and that was that, okay? Swear to God, he's the truth. I was, uh, ever get called in for jury duty? Yeah, yeah. Oh, isn't that a trip? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get called in, and I'm sitting there, and you got to write down what you do. So the judge is questioning, and now they come to me, <laughs> the judge, and he says, I see, uh, and this is a judge, and he says, what does it mean that you're a voice artist, a voice master? What is that? You could have heard a pin drop in that court. And then all the eyes shift to me. You know you know what I mean? Like you see in the movies where all the eyes look, zoom, you you. And somebody else said, you didn't in a court of law. Come on. I said, of course not. So I had to give an explanation. So the guy says, oh, you do looping for like moves. I said, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And I let it go. And then, of course, there's the restaurant things. I'm having lunch at a restaurant with one of my colleagues. And uh, all of a sudden, this person appears and says, excuse me, aren't you Fred Young? I said, yes, I am. Aren't you the one that does the voices and the acting? I said, yes, I am. Well, I heard you over at Sweet Tomatoes, wherever the hell I was before. I don't know. I remember. And, uh, and you're just wonderful. I was wondering, I have my sister and my, and my sister's boyfriend over at this other table. Could you drop by and do some stuff for us? Yeah, how do you respond to that? I said, sure, sure. Uh, my colleague here is on the phone with her agent. I'll be more than happy to come over and say hello. Always be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I went over there, I said, hello, and you've got to be polite. And luckily I wasn't eating at the time. We are just having our tea, our tea and, uh, and dessert and everything. So that's fine. Or normally I would just, I just say, excuse me, I'll be over as soon as I finish. I'll be over as soon as I finish. Excuse me. On the other hand, it gets to be very touchy when you're recording you and photographing you and you have no place to run and you get hit with something. My friend with the master degree for a wedding, I was standing up <clears throat> and my uh, business manager, CPA, and his wife is there and I was supposed to go up. Of course, they have kids. This under, once again, this undertaker had some kids and they were bugging me all night long to do voice and they didn't care if I was eating. 
And I said, after I finish eating, I'll do something for you, you know, whatever. All right, you know, try to be nice. But now we're at the wedding, and I'm supposed to say a few words at the pulpit, okay? And I'm just supposed to, they, they gave me some poems that they wanted me to say, and they had nothing to do with any voices, and I'm not going to do any hocus-pocus, okay? So I got up there, and I'm waiting to be called to the pulpit. Guess what? What? Guess what? What? The priest never called me up to the pulpit. That's good, right? No, it's not good. <laughs> no. Wrong, wrong, wrong. No. So anyway, why didn't he call you up? You're spo- you had your, you're supposed to go up there and read some poems. So I go up to the priest and I say, and this was the church that they, that they actually filmed called uh, West Side 777 with Jimmy Stewart. This is an old Polish church. And I said, excuse me, Father, you were supposed to call me up. To, I was supposed to read some, some poetry here that the, that the bride and groom wanted me to read. Oh, were you? I said, yeah, we talked last night. And you said, remember, a person has to rehearse. A good actor has to rehearse. He's telling me a good actor has to rehearse, right? Yeah, I need to hear that. Yeah, I, that's why I was practicing the night before. Plus, I had to pick up the, the flowers and, you know, the whole bit. And I said, you know, you were supposed to call me. Remember, uh, rehearse and everything? Oh, oh. He said, well... Well, next time. Next time? It's the second time around for both of them. Subsequently, the marriage did fall apart, but that's another story. I said, next time, there's no... So I told them... So they decided... Are you ready? Are you ready, Clay? Yeah. They decided, I'm going to read the poetry at the reception. Isn't that a great idea? No. No. <laughs> no, it's not a great... Now, this is what happened. I know you're waiting for you're waiting for a, a kicker for this, aren't you? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. You love this, don't you? You love to see somebody squirm, don't you? All right. So I get to the reception. I'm talking to the DJ, and we discussed that I better read this before they serve the soup course, because otherwise people are going to get tanked up at the bar, and then they're all it's going to be like a you know they're all going to get tanked up, right? Okay, so the uh, best man gets up there, nervous as hell. The best man's nervous, shaking, and he can't even read his, you know, you can tell, you know, whatever. So now I get up there, now they're filming me, they're videotaping. I come up there all nice and poised and everything. I told him the story about the priest. I said, you know, I have to tell you, he said, next time, next time, this is it. So I'm going to read three poems that they asked me to read, and then we're going to have dinner because we're, we're hungry, we all want to eat. I get to the first poem. Remember, I got no place to run, and they're videotaping. Are you ready? And all of a sudden, from out of the left, left, out of, out of somebody, and it's on the tape. I get to the first poem. I'm about to read. All of a sudden, I hear, "Hey, Joe Homer!" <laughs> <laughs> so my business manager, he hears that. Now it becomes a free for all, right? So all of a sudden, from the other side, here, "Hey, Joe Bugs Bunny!" <laughs> Now I'm with a full crowd of people, right? Oh, I decided, no, we better not do anything. Okay. Okay, I thought that was not. All right, all right. We got through that, and we ate. Okay, fine. The DJ thought it would be a real lot of fun. Are you ready? The DJ thought it would be such a wonderful kick for everyone at this reception. To get me on the mic. Hey, where's Fred Young? So I said, well, what is it? What is it? 
gives, he throws the mic in my face like I'm deep throwing the mic, and he says, do Homer for everyone. This is not my, you know, this right. is their day. I don't want to be the center of attention. No. I grabbed the mic, and over the air, over the PA, I said, you know, I get a lot of money for doing this. He says, oh, so what's a lot of fun. Now I have no place to run, so now I'm stuck. All right, so I do that, and that's that, right? Wrong. The bride's sister comes over to me sheepishly and wants me to go over to her table to entertain and do some voices. May I add that the dessert table was already set up, and I think everyone was pre-tanked up on, uh, as we say, alcohol. <laughs> but they wanted to hear voices. So I'm over there, and they asked me to tell stories. So I'm telling some stories, some other things. Well, now, the whole reception, it's like I'm on uh, The Tonight Show. The whole reception's listening to me, and the, where's the bride and groom? <laughs> right. One guy comes over to me, and he says, are you ready for this? He says, listen, I'm getting married in two weeks. Would you come to my wedding? I'm a plumber. <laughs> so basically, you can't, you, you can't escape this. No, no, I can't. I'm in my tux and everything. I mean, you know, I can't run. I'm stuck. You know, I say, excuse me, you really want me to come to you? First of all, I don't even know who, who you are. And second of all, I'm sure you're a nice person. Your bride's a nice person. Yeah, here she is. You're introduced to me. Yeah, all right, all right. You know, and I said, I'm sure you guys are nice, nice, really nice and everything, but let me ask you something. You really want me to come to your wedding and do voices and be the center of attention at your wedding instead of you guys being the center of attention? You really want that? Reality set in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> because who would they be looking at? They'd be looking at me and coming over with me. And the hell, you know, the blind groom, ah, pfft, ah, so what? Oh, fancy, oh, oh. So strange, crazy, crazy things happen. And these are all true. I can't make this up. I cannot make this up. I swear to you. I swear to you. And then I get it from the other end. Oh, you always want Fred at your table. If there's a, oh, oh, Fred's got to come over to my table. He's got to be, uh, where is he going to sit? Oh, sit here. Oh, sit here. Sit here. No, you got to be over here. No, you got to be over here. No, no, no. Sit here. I, you know. You can't, I can't get away. Yeah, it's going to get probably worse and worse. But at all times, at all times, there was only one time I was talking. I got only testy one time. I was talking to my friend, CPA, whatever and his wife, and this little boy was tugging at my tux. I said, what's the matter? Would you do some Sesame Street characters for me? I said, yes, dear. I'll be more than happy. Wait, I have to finish this conversation. I said, listen, I'll do it. Don't worry. Then his mother comes over and says, oh, I'm so sorry. I know he's such a, he's, he's bothering you, but he's so, he's so enthralled with you. He's so, he loves you so much. <laughs> I don't even know him. He heard you. He loves you. He wants to talk to you. I said, yeah, but I have to finish this conversation. In other words, please give me a break. One minute. <laughs> but that's the crazy stuff that happens. That's the fun stuff. But I'm telling you, it gets nuts. And can I escape it? Uh, no. Yeah. Well, well okay, well, back, to the, back to the games. Well, let me go again with the games. When they, when they call, I get involved with I get involved with When I don't, I don't. So I'm not really involved with every single game. But you're involved with the current game in the Stern line, right? Uh, yeah. 
I will say yes, but I don't want to talk anything about it right now and whatever. But let's just say I'll say I'm involved, but certain I'd rather not speak about it. I'd rather not talk about it, but yes, I am involved. In, in, in some way, I'll just say that the powers that be, I am involved, and that's, that's all I'm going to say on it. But, am I am I allowed to say the title? If you get this DVD of this one movie that I voiced up called The Legend of Ivanhoe, I do a lot of voices on that thing, and you'll, and these are original things. And the fun stuff is to try. And, I do about fifteen voices on that thing. It's called as I said, it's called The Legend of Ivanhoe, and it's on DVD. I think it's on video. I don't know if you can get a hold of it, but uh, the fun part is where I am on that thing. That's the fun stuff. I did that, I think I did that in 98. So I'm on that. But getting back to the games, uh, I want you to know everyone, everyone from Lonnie and Dwight and Gary Stern and John Borg and everyone over at Stern. It's, and even when Joe Camico was there and Brian Bynchwood now works for Microsoft, uh, they've all been wonderful. I mean, and they respect me and I respect them because tell you the truth, to put together some of these things, and when I see the stuff, I mean, the artwork is beautiful and all the other stuff and the intricacies with uh, uh, the dot matrix and the computer and, and putting the stuff in and how the stuff works. I mean, there's so much involved. Uh, somebody said, and I don't, I don't buy it because I'm, I'm only involved in a little portion of it. It's just, it's just another dimension with the, with the sound and everything. Uh, I'm the glue that holds everything together. I said, no, I don't think I'm the glue. I'm just another component. I'm just another part of it, like a commercial, you know. Hmm. But everyone's been wonderful over there. Everyone is just uh, very intelligent. And they know they can count on me. You know, that's the most important thing. I wish the agents in town, see, some of the agents in town don't believe that I can do what I say I can do, and then I have to be there in front of them. Like, I just recently signed with a new agency here another agent, and they said, they heard me just do a couple of commercials, and at the time I was kind of sick, I did a, couple, uh, did a couple of commercials, and when you heard the other people go in and read, it wasn't there, I mean, the energy just wasn't there, so they said, you're going to teach us, so that was interesting, that's a new one, I'm going to teach them, hmm. and that hasn't happened before, that hasn't really happened before. So I have to keep up to date, and I have to constantly watch stuff and listen and it's a constant, it's constant studying. And I think that's what a good performer, actor has to do. You have to constantly, uh, constantly study and everything. And if you don't, then, you know, you're not going to be, up to, you know, you're not going to be fresh. You're not going to be able to do the stuff. And that's why a lot of people get stuck. I've heard, I've heard other people, other performers, like one in Vegas right now. I mean, he's got a $40 million contract, but the problem is, is he an actor? No. And some of his stuff is good, and some of his stuff is not so good. You know, but can he do what you do? No, and I don't want to do what some of the stuff that he does because he's doing it for different things. So there's a give and take in everything. Right. And you have to have, and you have to have a certain mm, steady quality to it. Sometimes I think, like you see on the air, you've heard a lot of people, in, even in Detroit, that right away... They get a little notoriety, get their head swelled, and right away they're the greatest thing in the world since sliced bread, and and I'm the greatest thing in the hell with everybody, and that's a bad that's a bad attitude to take. Right. You know? And it is, I'll tell you one other thing, Clay. It is a power. It is a power. 
So I don't really abuse it. But it is a power. Do, can I shut it off? Oh, yeah, I shut it off. I don't dream in voices. <laughs> I, I, somebody asked, did you dream? And I knew, no, 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 no. And uh, sometimes it's very difficult to live with because I'm, I'm doing all these other things. You know, I'm doing all these other voices. Like, for example, this is a long time ago. I got a phone call from somebody. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the... Um, you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Sure. Ever play the Bozo Double Bucket game? No. Well, they lost the tape, and this has nothing to do with pinball or anything. And they said, can you do the voice of Bozo from the original cartoon? And I said, yes. And so I got a couple of cassettes. I practiced, and I recorded. And the nice compliment about this was it was sent to Larry Harmon, who controls the copyright of the name and the, and the, and the whole persona of Bozo and everything. And and he heard it, and I disappeared. He says, hey, that's Bozo. I said, well, that's what you're paying me for, aren't you? You disappeared. That's Bozo. I said, yeah. So Larry heard it. He says, I never sounded so good. He says, that's not you. That's Fred. But he gave, he had the final say-so, and it went into the, it went into the, uh, uh, the double bucket game, which oh. is that one of those redemption things over in Chuck E. Cheese. Sure. So that was nice. So that, sometimes that, you know, but you, sometimes you worry. But you got to be professional, and I'm not. I don't do every single thing on the jiggy. But um, as I said, everyone over at Stern is wonderful and very, very intelligent. I mean, you got some got some pretty smart cookies there. But that's why they they know they can count on me and everything. And, and well, it's a it's a lot of studying, you know. As far as my favorite voice are concerned, I like Yoda. I like all the. I like the Simpsons. I like Family Guy. I like. Uh, Oh, Hanna-Barbera and Warner Brothers and and even regular regular human being voices. Regular, regular. I got a phone call. Uh, they want you to do Boris Karloff for some commercial. Did I get it? No, I was sick that week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I had six auditions. I was sick. I was sick, but I, did I take the auditions? Yeah, but I said, listen, I'm not up to snuff. So when I get sick, you never ask me that. What happens when I get sick? Uh, I lose control. I start talking to different voices and things. Hmm. If I get sick, that's it. So i got to wait until I, I pass everything. Right. It's true. It's true. Well, cool, Fred. I, I look forward to hearing or trying to figure out exactly what you did in the Indiana Jones 4. You know? I, I look forward to that, trying to figure it out. Well, oh, oh, all right, all right. But the thing is, we... The, the, the situation of the movie will be out later this month. It's going to be fantastic. So you'll, you'll enjoy all that stuff. And it's, it's, that's why I don't want to talk about it, because no, I know you asked John Borg yeah. about that, too. Sure. And he said that's all I can say. I am involved, as John is involved in it, but that's all I can say. And right. I don't want to say anything else. Besides, uh, the, fun is, the fun is actually seeing the whole thing. You know what I mean? The whole thing actually in front of you. Because right. when I do all these things, you know, when I do any recordings, I don't see any of this stuff in front of me. You know, it's a visualization thing. When you see the actual thing in front of you, and you can actually put your hands on it and play the thing. It's, it's wonderful, you know. Well, cool. But, as I said, as I said, um, I'm involved, but that's all I'm going to say on this thing. Right. And, no, that's, that's fine. I'd rather not talk about it. I'd rather not say anything right now. And you got to, and by the way, 
if people ask you, hey, it's best not to say anything, then I don't say anything. In fact, uh, it's best not to say anything. That way you don't get in any trouble. And, Clay, you understand that. Oh, you, yeah, sure. You yeah. Know, you, it's, it's not a problem. Not to, but, 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 uh, like John, John said to you, he's involved, and that's all I can say, and that's all I can say, too. And that's, just my, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, one last story. You'll like this. I got woken up out of a sound sleep. One of my friends, it turns out his little nephew was sick. And they said, we know this is an imposition, but he would really love to talk to uh, Grover or somebody from Sesame Street. They'd make him feel well. So I said, put him on the phone. He wants to talk to Big Bird or whatever, which is Carol Spinney, but I can imitate it. So I start talking to this little boy, and they're on the extension laughing, hearing him talk, and he got better. And and then I threw some other Sesame Street characters on there, and he just got better. And they, the parents went crazy, and what are you doing New Year's? Come on over to our house. I said, well, I'm going to be making pizzas at this other house. You're making pizzas? I said, it keeps me humble. You're cooking? I said, yes, I cook. It keeps me humble. You with all this power and ability? I said, yeah, 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 right. You want to see my? The, want to see the S under my T-shirt? <laughs> under my T-shirt, you want to see the red S? Right. <laughs> the, I said, yes, I'm cooked. And we called us. Yeah, this is a long time ago. And what you did for my son, I'll never forget that. That's the nice thing, you know. So when the kids come to their bay, you do something. What are you doing? I don't mind it. That's okay. It's all right. And besides, what you put out, you get in return. You've got to be nice about it. There's other people in this town, well, I, they wouldn't do any voice. One, they're getting paid for it. It's not a matter of giving it away. It's a matter of making people are happy when they, when they hear it. So what the heck? You know, well, what's it going to hurt? I don't mind it. So, Clay, if you don't have any other questions, I'm going to make myself a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Fred. You you take care. Hey, I really appreciate the time, and uh, and I look forward to hearing you in the upcoming game. Yeah, an upcoming. Yeah, yeah. You'll never know. Yep. You'll never know. That's that's. I'll give you with uh, one small voice, Clay. And by the way, I look forward to seeing you. Well, it's a long way. I don't know when the expo. The expo will be this year again. Yep, in October. I look forward to seeing you. If I've never met you before, I look forward to meeting you at the expo. Yes, same. I look and uh, it's been a pleasure. Well, it's been a privilege and an honor. And I want you to know I appreciate you interviewing me. And I hope I was able to answer your question, give you a little little insight of what I go through. <laughs> oh, you did great, Fred. I, I appreciate it, too, and I appreciate you coming on. Oh, no, no problem. Okay. I'll leave you with Ben Kenobi, Allegheny, saying to you, Remember, the Force will be with you, always. I'd like to thank Fred Young for joining us tonight on TopCast. Love hearing all those voices that he does and all the stories that he has. He's got some great stories. Really do appreciate his time, and I hope you all come back and hear us again on TopCast, the Internet Pinball Radio Show.